Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Thursday morning. It's draft morning. We're going to spend a lot of time in this first hour of the show on the NBA draft. Are the Jazz going to trade out? Um, I think the odds are yes. Uh, I've talked to somebody in the organization who believes the same thing to be true. But I think you should not write anything in ink. Chisel nothing in stone. Because the bottom line at the end of the day is you still don't know what offer's coming your way. You've done your homework. You've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. There have been offers made back and forth. And you never know when something that you were willing to do would sound like a bad idea to the other guy. Maybe that other team didn't think it was such a horrible idea. They were trying to goad you into a better deal. And the truth is it's their plan B or C. And when they realize that their plan A and maybe even their plan B aren't happening, they might circle back to you and something you thought was dead might be alive. Now, that could wreck something the Jazz have cooking with another team. Whatever team, I would just be picking names out of the air. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, Celtics, Hawks, Wizards, Heat, Raptors, you know, whoever. They might suddenly get a better offer and whoop, your deal with them that you thought was going to happen tonight is dead. Or you might have had something planned and now you got a different plan because someone called back and said, hey, you know the thing we talked about? We might be into that. So always on pins and needles. Never will know when the phone's going to ring. Probably the best example I know of in jazz history would be the Jeff Hornacek trade. And Scott Layden told the story. He got home from work at the end of the day, kind of 9 to 5 in it on a trade deadline. I don't know if he got home at 3 or 7 or whatever, but he got home whenever he got home. And his wife, jazz fan, says, so is anything going to happen? You going to make a move? Ah, it's all quiet. A couple hours later, he gets a call. He thought that Jeff Malone for Jeff Hornacek wasn't happening. Philly had rejected him. It turned out whatever else Philly had cooking, maybe they just had a little auction going, a little game of poker, they decided that's our best play. So they called back and said, hey, you still want to make that deal? He thought it was dead. You never know. So we'll see how that checks out and how that works out later tonight. Associated note, Green Bay Packers. And you may not think there's a link between the Green Bay Packers and the Utah Jazz, but I just think this is true across pro sports with people at leverage points in their career, whether they're coming up on a free agent year or they're late in their career, like Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers had a press conference and was finally forthcoming about some of what's happened the last few months. And looming over all of this is that, you know, it usually ends poorly, otherwise it doesn't end. And Aaron Rodgers is probably done in Green Bay sooner rather than later, right? It could well be at the end of this year. Heck, if this plumber played out differently, it could be right now. Certainly in two years, there's a good chance he's somewhere else. But it's coming. It doesn't matter. One, two, three, five. I mean, he's, he's in his late 30s. He's not playing eight to ten more years. The end is near. And it doesn't always end well. A lot of times it doesn't. He wanted more of a say, he says, in recruiting players. The Packers didn't take him up on it. They offered him more money. So this is not really about the, the money. Um, now, years is money, so it kind of is. But they didn't want to give more years. They're just going to give more money. <laughs> And so this is all according to him, right? There, and there may be other storylines. But when he doesn't have more years and he doesn't have say in the organization, he started feeling like a lame duck. In which case, well, if I'm a lame duck, let me go now. And there's somewhere where I could have a future for three to five years, right? All the guys playing now know how Peyton Manning ended it. And if the team can bring someone in better, they may not like it. 
and maybe not better. If the team can some bring in someone young and promising, they may not like it. But I think, you know, the Colts end up with the number one pick in the draft and there's a generational talent at Stanford and the Colts are going to take him. So nobody likes it, but you get where it's going. And if you handle it right, you end in a good place. And sure enough, Manning goes to Denver and gets to play in two Super Bowls in four years and win one. Well, that's a pretty good four-year run by anyone's standards except Tom Brady's. It would be okay for Brady. <laughs> Possibly acceptable, but kind of a lateral move. But for anybody else, that's a heck of a run. So, I mean, you think about it. Manning played in more Super Bowls than Rodgers, right? Rodgers only been to one. He's 1-4 and four in the NFC title game. 1-5 and five now, 1-4. I'd have to look that up. That's a heck of a run then. That is outstanding. You take that and run to the bank. So, how do you leverage that? And maybe Manning thought there was a way to leverage that, right? Earlier this year, the New Orleans job is open. Maybe you go there. There's a good team. And, of course, the Packers don't watch in the NFC. They're going to want you to change conferences. Um, but maybe there's some options out there. So you kind of get how this got sideways. And the fact is, owners don't like to give players long-time, long-term guaranteed contracts because then they feel like if they don't produce, they're kind of on the hook. But when you give players shorter-term deals, and the whole rest of the league wants them, and this is what's happened in the NBA, you know, the, the six- and seven-year contracts that the Carlos Boozers and Andre Kirilenkos were getting that people sometimes ended up regretting. Boozer may have gotten five now. I think about it. I have to go back and look. But uh, they've got shortened. And all of a sudden, LeBron's like, hey, let's opt out after three years or after two. What do I mean? I'm LeBron. There'll be a market for me. I'm LeBron. And all of a sudden, the players have more power. So there's always unintended consequences. And the NFL with the money that's not guaranteed and the ability to waive guys at shorter deals and the NBA shorting six- and seven-year deals down to where there's you know, five max, but a lot of times three- and four-year deals gives the players more power if they keep producing. So something to keep in mind if you're rooting for a team and you're watching the star players, his contracted years drop and drop and drop. The player has more power. It's the way it is. All right. When we come back, NBA Draft. More in a moment. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. It's time to get you ready for the NBA Draft. It's tonight. Chad Ford, Eric Walden, both joined us yesterday to look ahead to the draft. We're going to start with Chad. He expects the Jazz to trade out, and he will explain why. Uh, And I think it's also interesting to note that uh, he thinks there's four foreign players in this draft who can really be impact guys. I think there are four guys who will go in the lottery, the top 14 picks. And the importance of the foreign player. Now, maybe no elite guys, but Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't viewed as elite when he came in the league. Nikola Jokic wasn't elite when he came into the league. Luka Doncic was elite. The whole debate was whether he should go number one or not. But Antetokounmpo, he didn't go in the top ten. Jokic didn't even go in the first round. Now, you can argue it's a different era and with the success of the international player. And man, (laughs) 
There's some good young international players. I mean, right now, you got Luka Doncic dropping 48 in the Olympics, looking awesome. Jokic is the MVP. Antetokounmpo is the NBA Finals MVP. I mean, these guys are crushing it. So here's Chad Ford. Also, the G League guys, a whole new twist. Guys who aren't going to college who are going to the G League. Here's Chad Ford on the NBA draft. Chad, good morning. Good morning. So, Chad, here comes the NBA draft. Do you feel like this has been obscured a little bit, overlook the late finals into the Olympics? It seems like there's a lot less hype for the second straight year. Yeah, you know, maybe because I'm immersed in the draft, I certainly don't feel that way. I mean, Cade Cunningham is a big buzz name right now. This is one of the best drafts that we've had at the top in a really long time. Uh, I do think that some of these players maybe don't quite have the same cachet uh, that maybe they normally would, like Jalen Green, for example, or Jonathan Kaminga, because they played in the G League, not in college basketball, but... Uh, I, I think this is an incredible draft, and uh, I've I certainly, on on my site, seen enormous interest, uh, increase in interest over last year. Really? All right. Well, see, that may just go to the local bias of the Jazz drafting 30 and having no shot at Cade Cunningham whatsoever. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to get excited about the 30th pick in any draft, and I think especially this year there's sort of a cutoff in this draft about where I think the talent really lies that cuts off, unfortunately, you know, five, six picks before the Jazz are selecting at 30. And so, I, you know, I know just didn't even, you know, talking, talking to the Jazz, it's, it's tough to get super excited about the 30th pick in this draft. I mean, that's normally the case, but I think it's definitely the case this year as well. Okay, but we've seen so many years where when you go back and redraft the draft, the guy who – should have been picked high, went 10 or 20 or 30 spots later because nobody spotted who he was. Right. Do you think this draft is going to be just absolutely nails and, and be the unusual draft that goes in the order it should? Or teams are so good at developing players that we're just always going to have guys sliding and you know finding a Kawhi Leonard in the teens, which granted isn't where the Jazz are picking, but finding a Kawhi Leonard or a Donovan Mitchell – or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, or whoever, they're, they're going to be awesome players who aren't going in the top three or top five like they did in the 80s when everything was locked down. Yeah, you know, every year you find, you know, gems late in the first and even in the second. Desmond Bain went uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies with the 30th pick in the draft last year. I mean, so you can point to that and say, okay, here's a chance. But I, like I know last year the Jazz liked the bottom of the draft more than they did this year. They, they thought that the strength of last year's draft wasn't necessarily at the top, but the incredible depth as you got into the 20s and 30s. And I think teams are feeling less confident about that this year. Now, is there the possibility that one of these uh, young players could turn into a star? You know, we were talking about Brandon Boston, who was ranked number 11 at the top of our board. He's going to be there. JT Thor out of Auburn, who probably would have been a lottery pick in next year's draft if he had stayed in for a year, is going to be there. I mean, there's some prospects there. I think part of the problem for the Jazz is that they don't really have the, the time or roster space to really develop a young player who's particularly raw. They would prefer someone who could come and help them right now. And they also are going to have some financial crunches when they re-sign, hopefully, Mike Conley uh, this summer. That are, means they're going to have to be very careful with how they use their their money. And so I think for those reasons, 
I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Jazz ultimately just decide to trade out of this draft, um, get a future asset, and and hope that that asset is better than the 30th pick in the draft in, in years to come. And it saves them a little bit of money. And, you know, frankly, you know, Utah has got some young players, whether that's Doku or um, – uh, even Elijah Hughes, who they drafted last year, that they could, that really they struggled to develop last year, and those guys would probably be ahead of whoever they drafted this year, as far as that you know development priority came anyway. And so I expect that most likely scenario is Jazz trade out. Probably second best scenario is maybe they find a deal and move up in the draft uh, where they can actually find a, a difference maker. I think that would be appealing uh, to Utah if they could do it. I think if they could get in the high twenties. Uh, or late teens, and that's a very, very different equation about what type of player might be available to them. Um, but I, I think probably the least likely scenario for me right now is that the Jazz actually draft and keep the 30th pick in the draft. So how are you supposed to do a mock draft if you don't even know which team is picking where? Because apparently the Jazz aren't the only team expected to be making a deal. Well, that's, it's funny that you ask. I just wrote this in my column today that I never – in all my years of covering the draft, and unfortunately I'm an old man, so it's been there for a while, I've never seen so much, so many picks for sale or teams trying to move up or down in the draft. It looks like a, a typical second round. Five out of the first seven picks uh, might change hands. Uh, the Magic are looking at trading at eight. The Kings are definitely shopping nine. The Hornets have talked to multiple teams about 11. The Pacers have been shopping 13. The Warriors have been very open about seven and 14 being for sale. Uh, and you can just go on and de- down the list with the Knicks and Lakers and what have you. And so the opportunities for the Jazz to move up are there. There's lots of teams selling, uh, and you know it's just just what are you willing to offer to get up in the draft? And is drafting a rookie the right thing for the Jazz going forward? And and I think if they could get, like I said, in the late teens or early twenties, I think that there there might be a really good argument that that is going to be the cheapest way. For the Jazz to be able to address some of their needs, you know, especially like maybe defensively on the wings, uh, then then you know trying to hit the free agent market and find someone that way. So you mentioned already that some of the hype for some of these players isn't what it could be because they weren't playing college basketball and we couldn't see them. They were in the G League. Can you state confidently that it is? Uh, Better for guys to go to the G League. More development takes place there. It is better to go to college basketball and be under the spotlight, even though the coach is trying to win now. And development, I mean, yeah, I want to develop you, but I need to win now. Uh, That's an attitude for a lot of coaches. What do you think? And and given the fact that the G League hasn't really been the G League the last two years, do you even want to answer this? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we know yet. Uh, I would say that NBA scouts were overall impressed with the G League. And they thought the level of competition was higher than college basketball. They liked that these players were learning pro sets um, right away. You know, the college basketball game is not the same as the NBA game. And so they thought that some of the players were um, not learning bad habits that they often learn in college because that's what, you know, success in college is, but you can't do that in the NBA. Uh, On the other hand, I think that, and this was a weird year because, frankly, most college players didn't get this either, you know, the year to be able to socialize and be in college and all the sort of growth that gets that, that comes from that. I think typically scouts think there's some value in that. Now, this year, because of COVID, it was a very different different situation, especially for the freshmen, and they probably didn't get to enjoy, uh, you know, much of that, uh, unfortunately. 
But I think overall, teams are not at all discouraged about the G League. I think they think that, you know, look, if these young men can come and improve themselves against NBA veterans, against people that were drafted, you know, in the first and second round of the draft, that if they can do it there, then that, that's a much easier uh, uh, connect the dots to the NBA than it is understanding, you know, what someone does at Kentucky and how that necessarily translates one way or the other to the NBA. Now, I could ask you several more things about this, and there are more things I want to know, but how much is it a moot point? At what point are 18-year-olds going to be able to be drafted again so that people can go from high school straight to, they don't need to go to college or the G League. They can just go straight to the NBA. How far off is that? The NBA wants it. They've wanted it for a number of years. The problem is the Players Association, which which has veterans that – those guys come in and take take your jobs. And so, you know, you're always trying to figure out there, there's always more protection from the player side than there is obviously from the NBA side. And I, I eventually think that this will get done. I think that the Players Association just wants something from the NBA in return. And so far, the NBA hasn't been willing to give up anything for that sort of negotiation point. And so the G League was a bit of a compromise in that it allows the NBA to get their hands on these prospects earlier uh, without having to really deal with the NBA Players Association. But I, I fully su- suspect the next time that there's collective bargaining, this will be a major point for the NBA and, and that you'll just see players going directly uh, to the NBA now. But I, I think in the meantime, the G League is a really nice step. I think it's better than players going over to Australia or going over to Europe and trying to figure it out, figure it out that way. And look, college is always going to be a viable option for players, especially now uh, that they can be, uh, you know, pay, paid for their endorsements. Uh, that's that's going to make life a lot more attractive for college stars that have been frustrated in the past that they can't earn any money uh, while they're in college. Chad, Chad Ford, NBA draft expert and proprietor of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board newsletter and podcast, is joining us here to talk about the NBA draft. I'm curious what you think of the foreign players in this draft. I think it's lost on no one that while Luka Doncic is incredibly exciting, in addition to him, the NBA MVP, Jokic, foreign player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the finals MVP, foreign player, also a two-time MVP. There is a whole generation of foreign players who are kicking butt and taking names. So are there more in this draft? Yeah, this isn't the strongest international draft, but I think that there is three players that are all getting looks in the lottery. Not not in the high end. I don't think we're going to see, you know, the fifth pick in the draft. Though, you know, Jonathan Kaminga um, is an international player that just came over to the United States early and was playing in high school the last couple of years. But I, I think that you start with Alfred and Singun, uh, the Turkish big man. He's 18 years old, and this this just blows my mind. He won MVP of the Turkish League, not some junior division, the senior Turkish League, which is probably one of the two or three best leagues in Europe right now at 18 years old. That Only only a player like Luka Doncic has really done anything like that before. The problem with Singun is that he's sort of a more traditional, old-school big man, uh, and you know some teams wonder how exactly that's going to translate to the NBA right now, which is spreading the floor, using small ball fives, can he stay on the floor defensively? But this young man is incredibly gifted offensively. There's some Nikola Jokic uh, in his game. He's not as big as Jokic, and, and I think that matters. But there's some of that just sort of 
basketball savantness in the way that he plays the game. Josh Giddy is a big point guard, point forward out of Australia, who's really intriguing as well. One of the best passers in this draft at 6'8", which is you know really impressive, uh, and had a really big pro debut in Australia this year, played exceptionally well for an 18-year-old. But he lacks an elite jump shot, and you know questions about his where he plays defense in the NBA are, are legitimate. Then Usman Garuba, who's playing literally on one of the best teams in Europe, Real Madrid, and is their defensive stopper, is a big man who really doesn't have much offense, but he's a terrific athlete and a terrific engaged defender. And some fans may have actually seen him in a in a scrimmage in Las Vegas against Team USA, where he was guarding and giving problems to Kevin Durant uh, from Team USA. And so there's a uh, th- those are the three guys that I think will hear their names somewhere in the late lottery, mid-first round. All of them, I think, are really interesting prospects. But unfortunately, no no Luka Doncic is this year. So the Final Four had some uh, some pretty good basketball players in there. Where are they going to slot in this draft, and how do you project them as the Final Four? Gonzaga and Baylor, they're, they're well represented. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Suggs is going to be the first of that of that group off the board. Uh, and, you know, he's going to go anywhere from four to four to five, probably in this draft. I think this draft range is actually pretty tight. He'll either go to Toronto at, at four or the magic at five, sort of barring a trade. And I, I think people see him as one of the surest things in this draft. He's tough. Uh, he's got a quarterback mentality as a point guard can play both positions. Excellent athlete needs to improve his jump shot. But overall, I, I think people see him as a very, very high level prospect uh, in the draft. Davian Mitchell, uh, who was the point guard at Baylor, obviously very intriguing, uh, one of the best on the ball, if not the best on the ball defender in college basketball last year, gets um, some comparisons to Donovan Mitchell that, you know, physically there's a lot of similarities between them. The Davion's a little bit smaller, and because he's a little bit smaller, he's sliding a little bit further down in the draft. I think his range starts with the Warriors at seven and then, you know, goes down to about 14. And, and then, you know, Jared Butler – uh, who was uh, the most outstanding player in the Final Four, uh, is a terrific guard. He can play both backcourt positions and absolutely a guy that the Jazz might target if they can get up into the late teens and early 20s. Had a little bit of a medical scare when he came into the combine. They actually held him out, and it was an undisclosed medical condition, but it went on for several weeks before the NBA cleared him to play. So teams have gotten a little bit skittish on him and just about what his, what his health holds, but I think that means he slid from late lottery down into the late teens or you know 20s, uh, where I think he has huge value. I think he's going to be a really, really good player in the league. I'm curious, and you've touched on this with the Jazz, but about needing you know veteran help, win now. I'm curious if anybody among the elite Western teams, which I realize could be half the Western Conference, but Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Suns, Jazz, Warriors, uh, are any of these teams going to find immediate help in the draft? Are any of them poised for that? Or is it everyone's adding projects and nobody we see is going to be making a dent in the second round of the playoffs next year? I I, I think there's two things to say about that. One, um, I'm not sure that you ever find immediate help from rookies uh, in the draft. Even when rookies put up big numbers, uh, they tend to do it in a very inefficient way. If you look at plus-minus numbers for rookies on their teams, it's almost always negative. Uh, it, it's hard to say a rookie can win. Not that not that they can't have a, a solid season, but it's, it's hard for them 
to say they're going to help you win. And one great example of that was Tyrese Halliburton, who had an incredible rookie season at Sacramento, um, absolutely helped the Kings and still couldn't really make a dent in their win-loss record uh, last year. And so I think if teams are looking for immediate help and that this team, this player is going to help us win a bunch of basketball games next year, I think it's really, really hard to find in the draft. Now, I do think that you have to look at the totality of what a player might do. And if it's playing 10 to 15 minutes a night, just you know, giving your starters some rest and, and being able to come in and play competent basketball, then I do think that there's some help here. I think at the top of the draft, everybody's swinging for the fences. I think when you start getting into the late, uh, late lottery in the first round, you have some teams with really strong playoff ambitions, whether that's the Pacers or the Warriors or the Knicks, uh, for, for example, or the Pelicans who just made a big deal. And they're going to be after the guys like Davian Mitchell, Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga. We didn't talk about him, maybe the best shooter in this draft. Um, the Chris Duarte out of Oregon, who's a guy who's 24 years old already, but teams really see him as a defensive monster. Uh, and, and I just really think it depends on where teams are at and what they're thinking. But my general rule of thumb is whether they're 18 years old or 22 years old, they're probably not going to help you win a lot of basketball games in year one. It's just a big, big transition to the NBA. So making that trade with the Pelicans, did the Grizzlies set themselves up for three years from now? Could they have a young core? And is inevitably the 30-somethings age out of the NBA, are the Grizzlies poised for a big leap in a couple of years? Yeah, the Grizzlies are thinking about the future right now. They, they, they made the playoffs last year. I think that was a welcome surprise for them. And they'd like to continue to build on that success. But they're not, they're not ready to put a championship contender out there right now. And so that absolutely, I think that you're not going to see uh, the Grizzlies go get Corey Kispert to try to you know, push them into two or three more wins in the season. They're going to go get a young guy and try to add to their core led by John Morant. And, and hope that down the road they have a, a team that could really compete for a championship. And that, I think that's the mindset for most of these teams right now when you're drafting, especially in the top ten. Is this a guy who could actually help us be in a championship someday, even if it takes two or three years uh, for them to be in the position to do so? Chad, as always, we appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for coming on and talking draft. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. There's Chad Ford. When we come back, Eric Walden, not only on what the Jazz might do on draft time, but what they might do with the rest of their roster. And we will get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Eric Walden, Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, joined us yesterday not only to look at what the Jazz might do on draft night, but how they might be tweaking the rest of the roster. And is the most important tweak, he says rhetorically, believing it to be true, the most important tweak, how much better is Donovan Mitchell? Stars matter a lot in the NBA playoffs. Donovan wasn't healthy, and he went for 39 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists when the Jazz got knocked out by the Clippers. If he had been healthy, could he have gone for 50 or 55 and they won the game? It sounds outrageous, but he did 57 in the bubble. And he did 39 when he was clearly hurt. And he's improved every year. Is he going to be even better next year? That's one of the questions for Eric Walden, jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Eric, good morning. 
How's it going, Mr. DJ? It's going pretty well. I haven't seen you in a long time in person. I mean, I've seen you in Zoom. Yeah. Uh, but as Kyle Whittingham said at Media Day, I am so sick of Zoom I could puke. <laughs> do you think we're going to be Zooming, or do you think we're about to resume what we referred to in the Bull Four times as normal activity? Well, uh, you know, it's funny. We had Some of us beat writers had a conversation with uh, Jazz PR the other day about um, how to kind of approach draft coverage because in previous years you know they had us all over to uh the zbbc to hang out and watch it and and be there for when you know the jazz made their picks and dennis and justin would come out and and talk to us and we debated you know how are how's everyone feeling about hanging out in person this year and doing it and uh it sounds like it's a go so you know those of us who are vaccinated are going to be getting together at the Zion's Bank basketball campus tomorrow, and hopefully that's the start of uh, a lot more in-person stuff to come. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if TV and radio get invited. Can't wait to see how that plays out. Nobody likes you TV and radio guys. Oh, we're aware. we're aware of that. Don't worry. You're too pretty. You make us all feel bad. And that has literally never been said to me in my entire life. <laughs> so... That brings up the point, are you going to be over there to hear who they drafted and why? Are you going to be over there to hear that they've traded out of the 30th pick and why? That's a good question. It it, it won't shock me if they trade out of the 30th pick. I guess the question is going to be how do they pull it off? Um, You know, everyone's kind of, you know, the scuttlebutt seems to be that they'd like to move up. And there certainly are teams that would be amenable to letting them move up. The, the question becomes, how do they go about doing that? Because they don't have their own second-round pick to throw in a deal this year. They don't. They probably are not going to have their first-round pick next year because they still owe one to Memphis from the Mike Conley deal. And that seems likely to convey next year. Uh, the Jazz would have to absolutely crater the season and finishing the, you know, top, finishing the bottom six worst teams in the league last year in order to keep that pick. Uh, they don't have their own second round pick next year, you know, so, so you can kind of see where we're going. Do they attach a player to make it happen? Uh, you know, do they, do they wind up having to attach this year's pick to the likes of Derek Favors in order to move his salary off the books? So, I, I do expect them to move it one way or another, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they pull that off and, and what exactly their their priority is in doing that. Rudy's 29 years old. Donovan is done with his rookie contract now. He's into the second contract, which is, for lack of a better phrase, the unrestricted contract. Huh. Excuse me, the restricted contract. Uh, you know, the third deal, you're an unrestricted free agent. So Donovan signed for five years, but the fifth is his option. So it seems like the Jazz have a three- to four-year window to win now. Do you yeah, think I mean, they are all in on the winning now part and are not eliminating, because you never eliminate it, but de-emphasizing the whole draft development thing and that that roster spot and money is better spent on a veteran who, while not useful all the time, could be useful in one or two playoff series. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely probably what their priority is. You know, um, you finish with the best record uh, in the regular season this year. You know, I'm sure, I don't know if they would admit to it being a surprise to them, but I think it was a surprise to a lot of people. There, You know, if you recall, there were some people predicting the Jazz were going to miss the playoffs entirely this season. So them finishing first was certainly a surprise to some people. But, you know, now that you've shown you can get there, but, um, you know, continue to have that, that heartbreak in the postseason, it seems that uh, they've got great motivation to really kind of go for it. Because, yeah, you know, as, as you mentioned, they're in that spot now where, uh, you know, Donovan's making a bunch of money, Rudy's making a bunch of money, these guys are established in the league. Uh, if you can bring Mike Conley back, you know, he's on the he's on the back nine of his career and doesn't probably have too many more seasons of, of elite-level play. So, yeah, they've definitely got to be in uh, win-now mode. They've got to be in go-for-it mode. So, yeah, the question becomes, how do they do that? You know, which which kind of players can they target for that? Because, yeah, obviously, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. For all, the, for all the complaining about, you know, taking Doak instead of Desmond Bain a year ago, does does Desmond Bain prove the guy who would have got this team into the NBA Finals? I, you know, I, I, I like my chances with uh, Nick Batum a lot better. You know, if all things being equal, but um, yeah, I think I think they're more inclined to go for veteran help. Again, they're going to be trying to navigate, you know, some some tricky circumstances with the salary cap, uh, just because, as you mentioned, you know, Donovan goes from a rookie scale contract to an NBA all-star and near all-NBA team contract. You know, Rudy got, uh, has, has his extension kicking in. So even before we get to Mike Conley, this is becoming an expensive team. And, you know, it's, it's easy for fans to say, hey, Ryan Smith's a billionaire. Just spend the money. Uh, you know, that's, that's true up to a point. Um, it's not your money. You know, it's, it's real easy to give away someone else's money. Um, and, and he's looking at a huge tax bill as it stands right now. So, you know, there's going to there's gonna be some trickiness going on there. Rudy and Donovan combined are going to make a little over $63 million next year. So let, yeah. let that sink. And it just goes up, right, at 68 yeah. to $73.5 million, and up it goes. So you've already mentioned the possibility of moving Derek Favors' contract. Who do you think is the Jazz backup center? Or for la- for backup center might not be right. Who handles the ten to fifteen minutes a game that Rudy Gobert doesn't play? That's that's an excellent question. You know, um, they're going to have to really start looking into who's available on the market because I think you know they <laughs> that that Clippers series really kind of drove home the need for a little bit more versatility. You know, um, obviously I'm sure they'd like uh, Udoka Azubuki to take a step forward this year. And, you know, if nothing else, he's the guy. But I think they would like a guy like a Nick Batum to be able to step in, um, you know, if possible. He's a guy who for most of his career was was a three um, in Portland and, and Charlotte. And then the way the league has gone, he became a four and, and now – even the way he played last year with the Clippers on a minimum contract, you know, we saw him at the five a lot. Um, the question is going to be, you know, is it is it feasible to bring him in? 
You know, he, he played on a minimum deal for the Clippers last year. He played well enough. I don't think he's gettable for a minimum again. So the question becomes, you know, do they want to spend the taxpayer's mid-level exception, which is going to be, what, six and a half, a little less than $7 million this year on Nick Batum, and can you get him for that? And otherwise, you know, you're looking at uh, can you afford a Bobby Portis? Can you afford, you know, a, a Nerland Noel, someone like that? Um, these are these are the kind of guys they're going to be looking at. The question is, are they going to be priced out of guys like that? So it's a it's a good question, DJ. So do you think that um, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Jordan Clarkson is in a similar price range? They're all over ten million in salary. Does that group return to run it back one more time, or do you think there's a possibility they're going to get aggressive and we'll see roster changes that might surprise some people? I think there's a possibility of it. You know, um, like I said, you know, I, I brought up the favors one. I think as the season went on, and, and then especially how the playoffs unfolded, there was some. There's a little bit of buyer's remorse there, not because. You know, anyone's disappointed in Derek Favors. He he obviously is a solid citizen and, and, and did what they asked him to and did the best he could. But um, just the fact that, you know, it, his play clearly diminished and, and, you know, here he is making the mid-level exception. If they could find someone to take that, I think he'd be option number one. Um, Joe Ingles is an interesting one just because he's in the final year of his deal. Um, you know, he's, he's making, I want to say, a little over $13 million is his cap hit this coming season. Uh, much as we all love Joe, you know, I think it's, it's fair to wonder at this point, is that a bit too much for what we can expect of him going forward? Uh, I, I think it's fair to say his defense has dropped off a little bit. Um, I think we saw that their plan to kind of use him as the de facto, you know, second string point guard uh did not really kind of pay off the way they wanted you know and and he clearly is better suited for a secondary playmaking role so he's a candidate um with Boyan, it's a little trickier because he's got two years left on his deal for more money um you know can you find someone that wants him at 18.7 million this year 19.6 next year and, you know, again, what are you getting back for these guys becomes the point. You know, at, at what point are you decimating a team uh, excessively, you know, that finished first in the Western Conference? At, at what point do you want to, uh, you know, say, well, we need to change this and this and this? How much, you know, at, at what point does it become a little too reactionary in kind of, uh, you know, killing the identity of this team for the sake of reacting to how one specific series went. So we can talk about the depth of a team as much as we want, but we've seen star power drive championship teams for decades, and even though the NBA changes, Giannis Antetokounmpo has three 40-point games in the NBA Finals, 50 in the clinching game, and they get the championship. Donovan Mitchell has found another gear every year he's been in the league. At some point he will peak, but has that happened yet, or do you think he's going to come back even better in the next season? I expect Donovan's going to come back better. You know, I, I think a lot of people in the league feel this way, that, um, you know, he's, he's 
on the verge of becoming just an absolute scoring superstar. You know, um, he hasn't necessarily needed to do that in the regular season just because of the way this team has been constructed and the fact that, you know, Mike Conley had his first all-star season and Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, when he's healthy and when his wrist is right, is a, is a great secondary option. Um, but we've seen him have those moments in the postseason. You know, he's, he's one of the top all-time points-per-game scorers in NBA playoff history. And granted, his sample size is smaller than a lot of the old-timer guys who he's ahead of right now. And, and you would expect, you know, that when he gets a little older and into his career, maybe that'll decline a little bit. But, yeah, there's absolutely room for him to continue that upward trajectory. And, and I don't think anyone uh, believes that he's, that he's at his peak yet, you know. Um, Rudy Gobert loves to tell us every season that he's only scratching the surface. And, and maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole with Rudy. I don't feel like that's, that's the case with Donovan yet. Um, I feel like there's, there's more room to go. I mean, uh, if you had asked someone a couple of years ago who's the better shooter between Devin Booker and, and then Donovan Mitchell, you know, 99 people out of 100 tell you Devin Booker. And is that the case anymore? I mean, you look at their shooting splits, and Donovan was a lot more efficient this last season on a lot more attempts per game, you know? And that wasn't his game coming into the league. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to be excited about there in terms of, in terms of his upcoming growth. Mione, Jawan Morgan, Elijah Hughes, are any of these guys about to take the step that in previous seasons we saw Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles take, where they went from the fringe of the roster into the rotation and contributed? Um, you got any higher hopes for any one of those guys than anybody else? Uh, I would honestly be a little surprised if Jawan Morgan is back on the team this coming season. I don't have any inside intel on that, but just given, you know, kind of the way they need to go and, and from what I've seen of him, I don't have a whole lot of hope there. Mie, I know that there's still some kind of internal hope that, that he can become, you know, that he can fulfill some of that uh, perimeter wing defense that they're that they're so badly needing. But um, I don't know. The, the guy is so foul-prone. You know, he picks up two fouls on his way to the scorer's table every game. Um that and I just don't know if the if the shot is going to be consistent enough. I would say, you know, in my view, Elijah Hughes maybe has the best uh, potential there of the three to become something. But um, just given how the rookie season went, you know, again, that's that's a difficult projection to make. But of the three, he's probably the one who I personally would lean towards the most. So you got anybody in this NBA draft you really love, even if the Jazz can't move up to get him, someone who's going to be the next big star, and you are convinced this is the guy? Yeah, Cade Cunningham. You heard of him? I have. (laughs) But I've seen number one picks flame out before, so not everybody's on the same page. I didn't want to bias you by leading the the witness, Your Honor. (laughs) No, there's, you know, I, I don't study the NBA draft with the same intensity and fervor and duration that uh, the great Tony Jones does, <laughs> a college basketball fanatic and, and, and is watching games nonstop all season long. I'm more a guy who pays, you know, attention here and there during the season, but um, 
you know, I'm mostly focusing on what's going on in the NBA, and then and then once the Jazz season over is over, I really kind of take a deep dive in, into you know the college basketball season. Um, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who I've come to like and and think something of in terms of guys who are maybe closer to the Jazz's range. I think Oregon's Chris Duarte is, is going to be a great plug and play uh, three point and the kind of a guy um you know a lot of teams are maybe a little leery of him just because he's 24 and you don't get the same number of years out of him um but again i don't think he lasts to where they can get within range to i've heard uh he, he may go you know in the teens at this point in the mid-teens at that um who else i'm trying to think of some names that uh you know might be in the in the 20s i've heard that uh Ayo Dunmo of, of Illinois is the guy who's starting to kind of creep back up. He was the guy who was initially thought to be a late second round or a late first round pick, kind of dropped into the middle of the second round at one point. And now seems to be creeping back up. A lot of teams think you know he's a great ball handler and and is a very switchable wing, six uh, five guy out of out of Illinois. Um, who else? Josh Primo is out of Alabama is the kid I really like, but uh, I don't know that he makes a ton of sense for the Jazz just because he's the youngest guy in the draft this year. He's 18 years old. And if he were to stay in the draft and come out next year, uh, probably would be a top 10 pick. This year you're paying for a guy who can give you some shooting immediately, but who's going to need a lot of work elsewhere. So uh, those, those are some of the names that, that stand out to me. Well, as always, we appreciate the time, Eric. Thanks for coming back on the show and uh, spelling out the draft for us. And uh, we'll see if they if they make the trade. I, I expect that's the way it's going, but it's hard to know because you never know what someone's going to call an offer at the last second. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that we're hearing, that a lot of teams you know, are, are really kind of expecting a ton of movement this year in the draft, but that... Uh, you know, maybe not a ton of that happens beforehand, you know, that it's, that it is indeed kind of a last minute thing. So we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled and, and see how it goes. And, uh, in the meantime, thanks for having me on. And it was great having a civilized, polite, professional conversation with you and not that other guy. No, whatever. (laughs) See, people (laughs) buy that stuff, but you know, you and he know each other better than you and I. Yeah. You've got, uh, you've got Tribune history backstory. Yeah, PK and I go way back. I, I first got to know him when I was just a uh, dumb, know-nothing student at the University of Utah trying to find my way in the, in the Utah sports market. And uh, believe it or not, PK was actually a guy who, who was kind enough to take me under his wing and, and kind of help me out and, and, and teach me a thing or two. So, and then yeah, you come uh, on his radio show and light him up. Is that how? Well, he'd expect nothing less, actually, though. So. Yeah. Probably, right. probably works I out. I this is this is how PK and I go, you know. There you go. Well, Eric, we appreciate the time, uh, and people can follow you at Trib Jazz on Twitter for all the draft updates, right? That's right. There it is at Trib Jazz. All right, thanks, Eric. Thanks, DJ. Bye. All right, there's Eric Walden and Chad Ford on the NBA draft. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. 
Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NBA. With the first pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Anthony Edwards from the University of Georgia. Who will be the number one pick tonight? Well, Kate Cunningham will. <laughs> but is it the right pick? People will come on with and have with conviction. that Cade's going to be the star. But you may or may not be aware there are other players who have gone number one who've not turned out to be the best player in the draft. So I get there's conviction right now, but are they right? Ben Simmons went number one five years ago. You know, five years in, you can really start judging NBA guys' career. And there's still long, you know, a lot of chapters to write when you're five years into your NBA career and you're really good. But right now, would Denver trade Jamal Murray for Ben Simmons? How does that commercial go? No, 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 no. You got it. Right? Ben Simmons went seventh. Excuse me. Jamal Murray went seventh. Ben Simmons went first. So, you never really know. Now, the Jazz are drafting late. Five years ago, Pascal Siakam went 27th. Do the Jazz want to draft a project? I think the answer to that is no, and we can get into that coming up later this morning. Ben Anderson, Utah Jazz writer for KSLSports.com, will join us at 9 after Craig Bowlerjack is here at 8.30. Got conviction. If you think you got your guy, draft him. Because if you get a really good basketball player, you're never going to regret it. I mean, that is obvious, isn't it? But if you get a guy who you think you're going to have to develop, and you have to work two or three years, and then he can become a role player, that would be a win most years when you're drafting in the back half of the first round. Hey, this guy can be a nice NBA player. He develops into a rotation guy. He plays in the league seven to ten years or something like that. That would be a win. That would be better than most people who get drafted in the second half of the first round. And the Jazz have the 30th pick. So even if they get trade up five or ten spots and get a guy who eventually will be a nice NBA player. Now is not the time. Get a veteran who can help you win. You had the best regular season record in the NBA. The future is now. We'll get into that coming up. Pelican center Jackson Hayes was arrested in Los Angeles area early Wednesday morning after an alleged altercation with a police officer. This will shock you, but TMZ was reporting on this. The 30-mile zone, baby. Give me some celebrity news. According to TMZ's report, Police were called to a Los Angeles area home because of a domestic disturbance, and Hayes tried to prevent officers from entering the property. Fight reportedly ensued that sent Hayes, who was shocked with a taser, to a local hospital where he was treated for minor injuries. An officer involved in the incident also sought treatment. TMZ always gets this stuff first. Why? Because they pay people. I've been told by people in the legal profession in Southern California, they got them on retainer. Court clerks know... Here's how I make some extra money. Not sure what the pay scale is. But here's how you make a little bonus cash. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. Somebody wants a vacation. 
You get something worthwhile, you call it in, you get paid. Mike D'Antoni is leaving the Brooklyn Nets after serving as an assistant under Steve Nash for one season. He's expected to throw his hat in the ring for some head coaching jobs. I don't know if that means there was trouble behind the scenes in Brooklyn. Is he not getting along with people? Was there some clashing going on? He's 70 years old. You can get, he just doesn't want to, if I'm not a head coach, I'd want to deal with all the rigors of an NBA season. I was going to say. All the testing and the traveling and the, the thing is, the NBA is such an insular culture. Like They're not hanging out with their neighbors. They don't live within a 20-minute drive of a gazillion extended family members. So their friends, their social circle is that work circle. And you leave it, and then what? Well, you move to Hawaii like Don Nelson, everything's fine, because you got a grundle of money. Well, maybe Mike will be fine. But you always hear people say, well, the thing I'm going to miss most is the people. Now he's going to miss the people, unless he gets that head coaching gig. The G League Ignite is finalizing a deal with USC Associate Head Coach Jason Hart to be the program's new head coach. Hart takes over for Brian Shaw, who is joining the LA Clippers as their top assistant. Yach put this in there just so I could say Brian Shaw, former gaucho. Yach, thank you very much. You're welcome. I just like bringing up the gauchos. So that's what this is, is a stepping stone. Well, they've got two of the top prospects, Jalen Green and Jonathan. I meant Kaminga. for coaches. Oh, for coaches, sure, yeah. yeah. It's Hart, a landing spot. Yeah, Hart's going from being an associate head coach at USC. To what happened at USC? Coach. Is there anything I need to know about? Not that I'm aware of. Just an FBI investigation? No. He, I don't think he's necessarily Uncertainty. That. No, but if you want to, where's this program going? Sure. It's going sideways. What I do for my career, I want to go to the pros. Hey, Andy Enfield, so, I'm out. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have the first clue whether they got zero things or 10,000 things on him. But regardless, or as PK would say, irregardless. Time for the next chapter. And, you know, moving around and coaching, developing, networking with more people, a good thing so I just wonder if USC is going a little sideways and now that the boom has been lowered on Arizona when does the boom get lowered on USC or does it that's a different set of circumstances maybe it doesn't alright DJ and PK hashtag NFL I'm not a victim here at all I just want to reiterate that like I've been paid a ton of money by this organization I'm so thankful to be a starter here for my 14th season uh, not many guys have the opportunity to do that, so I'm not. Uh, I don't feel like anything's been done to me. There is. It's. It's a business. It's an incredible opportunity to play this game. Uh, it's a tough business too, though, and this is part of it. So I, I totally get that point, and that's that's not lost on me. That's why I'm just going to enjoy this season like I did last year, have the right perspective, and and then make decisions at the end of the season. Aaron Rodgers holding a long press conference. No one-word answers. Well, maybe there was. I didn't see every second of it. But there were a lot of in-depth answers there. He, he let it roll. Somebody in one of the stories I read timed, like, man, he gave a thorough answer to that question. It was like four minutes and 51 seconds. I'm glad I'm not the person who times NFL press conferences. I'm happy about that. I think what it comes down to is everything ends poorly, otherwise it wouldn't end. And Roger said, point blank, he wanted to be involved. He wants to recruit free agents. And he wants to be involved. And the thing is, some players are good at that and some want more say and aren't happy when they don't get their say. And that can be pretty tricky. And who knows how that's playing out behind the scenes.
And he saw his time coming to an end. Everything ends poorly, otherwise it doesn't end. Hey, wait a minute. I don't have a long-term deal, and I don't have any say in the club. He basically said, it's feeling like a lame duck, and if I'm a lame duck, let's just move on and go somewhere where I have a future. I just don't think you can have that much of a future in your late 30s. The list of quarterbacks who've been really good at 38, 39, 40, 41 gets real short, real fast. But if he could have leveraged his way out and landed like Peyton Manning did in Denver, where he had four good years, two of them ended in the Super Bowl, one with a win, one with a loss, I can see why he might have tried to leverage himself in that direction. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott left practice early yesterday with soreness in his right throwing shoulder and was pulled in a precautionary move. An MRI showed a muscle strain in his right shoulder. He'll be treated and further evaluated on a day-to-day basis, the team said in a statement. When I was in college, there was a guy who was like 20, late 20s, 27, 28, 29. He came back. He seemed impossibly old at the time. <laughs> Greg Van Ness. And... Said he had uh, played college football and he admitted he'd just been kind of a vagabond, like four different schools in five years. He went to a school, he went to a JC, he went to another school, and then he transferred again. Way ahead of his time as far as transferring. But UNLV, North Texas, I forget what the other school was. Said he got invited to the Broncos camp, and I kind of raised an eyebrow. He goes, and that's when I found out what a lousy quarterback I was. I was me. And I played catch with him. He threw a football harder than anyone I've ever caught a football from in my life. It was a completely different game. It hurt. The ball was coming in so so fast. Like, oh, this is how people break fingers doing this. My gosh. And I said something mad. He goes, now nah, I went to an NFL camp and I found out I had a rag for an arm. He was in a Bronco camp. He said, forget John Elway. Everybody, all the backups arms were 10 times stronger than mine. And then Elway's was 10 times stronger than theirs. It's like, a, it's a whole different level. But the point is, you got to bring quarterbacks in to do the throwing, and that's what he was done. He said, I was getting cut from before the day I got there. But the Dak Prescotts of the world can't end up with sore shoulders because they threw too much. If everybody else needs reps in the offense, get some college quarterback to throw it because you got to preserve. Preserve and protect the Stars. Saints coach Sean Payton expressed his frustration over the fact that star wide receiver Michael Thomas did not have ankle surgery until June. Though he declined to elaborate on why the procedure was delayed. Thomas, who was plagued by the injury throughout last season, expected to miss time at the start of this season. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported in January that Thomas was expected to undergo surgery to repair the, repair the torn deltoid and other injured ligaments in his ankle. But it was revealed just last week that Thomas did not have surgery until after he reported for the Saints' mandatory minicamp in June. So, while the Saints obsess about this, this is a warning to all of you who play fantasy football. Michael Thomas might be a value pick later in the draft. Draft and stash. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby accused ESPN of encouraging other conferences to pick apart the league so Texas and Oklahoma can move to the SEC more quickly without paying a massive buyout. I have absolute certainty that they have been involved in manipulating other conferences to go after our members, Bowlesby told Associated Press on Wednesday after sending a season desist letter to the network. In the letter, Bowlesby said ESPN is actively engaged in discussions with at least one other conference regarding that conference inducing additional members of the Big 12 Conference to leave the Big 12 Conference. 
Reports later indicated the conference referenced was the American Athletic Conference. Three things on this. Not two, Yach. Let the record show I have three things. Hold on. Three? Yeah. No. Okay. Number one, it could be true. I don't have any inside information. So I devolve to what makes sense. Item number two, the American Athletic has to be told to go after these teams. They have to be told, you're the American Athletic. You better go after these teams because they might come after Houston, Memphis, and Cincinnati, who are all members in your league. We've had Oresco there, Commissioner Mike Oresco, on this show. Yes. Yeah. The Big East and the ACC. The Big East didn't go after the ACC. The ACC went after the Big East. Who plays football and who doesn't play football? Of course the American. They shouldn't have to be told. If they have to be told, then the commissioner, the assistant commissioners, and whoever's on their executive council are too dumb to be their commissioner, their assistant commissioner, and whoever's on their executive council. That's an automatic go-to. Number three. Well, of course ESPN did that. And of course, Bowlesby would know. Everybody's got their friends. You used to work with somebody. You had this job. You had that job. You stay in touch. It sure works that way in radio and TV. No people all over town. No people all over the country. Rumors flying back and forth. ESPN told somebody, and somebody told somebody, and that somebody used to work with Bowlesby or somebody who works for Bowlesby, and word got back. There's no way to keep that secret. But hey, a lawyer got paid for a season to assist letter, so that's a win. Texas A&M Board of Regents voted 8-1 to one on Wednesday to direct President M. Catherine Banks to vote in favor of extending invitations to Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC. A vote on the matter could come as soon as today when the SEC convenes a meeting of its presidents and chancellors. That means Texas A&M has already licked its finger, stuck it up to see which way the wind was blowing and realized, hey, we're about to get outvoted 13-1. to one. So we might as well vote yes. Former USC star Reggie Bush will not be getting his Heisman Trophy back anytime soon as the NCAA will not consider reversing penalties or previously vacated records from past years based on recent changes to name, image, and likeness regulations that went into effect this month. No do-overs, no samesies, no observing the rules that exist now back then. It's okay now, so it's, it was okay back then. Not happening. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The pitch. Ball four. Ball game over. Mullins walks down to score. Cedric Mullins touches up home plate and is a walk-off walk, which forces Mullins down to score, and the Orioles win it 8-7 to seven in nine innings. 1-2. Swing. There's a shot with a gap in right center field. Nobody's going to get it. It hits out of the grass. It's rolling. Rolling all the way to the garage door. Watch Jaron fly. Here comes a run to score. He's at third. He's being waved home. Here comes a throw to the plate. He dies. He's safe and inside the park. Home run for Jared Duran. Can you believe it? Wow. What wheels? 4-1 Red Sox. Counts 2-1. Here's the pitch. And there's a ball. It's hit well out into right field. And that ball is out of here. Shohei Otani has done it again. That is home run number 37 of the season. That's a three-run shot. Angels take a 4-3 lead, and again tonight, it's showtime. Highlights from Major League Baseball, the Angels, the Shohei Otani show. Show up for Otani's four at-bats. 
or if Otani's on the mound. Other than that, the Angels just keep bouncing around 500. They're now a game, a game over. Heard for the Red Sox there. They get the win. They're two and a half games up on the Rays. The bizarro game of the day. The Tigers beat the Twins 17-14. Everyone's making Lions-Vikings jokes. That's an NFL score. Those are NFC North rivals. Tigers led that game 10 to nothing. And when you're up 10 to nothing, you're told, oh, just throw strikes. Yeah, so what if they hit a solo homer? <laughs> Minnesota came back with six in the fourth. They gave up eight in the top of the fourth. They were down 10 to nothing. If anybody thinks they had no chance, they score six times. They bat around. They load the bases and had the tying run at the plate in the bottom of the fourth inning. That is spectacular. And they loaded the bases again in the fifth and had the tying run to the plate again. Couldn't get a hit. Gave up some more runs and we're down 13 to 6 going to the eighth inning. All you gotta do is throw strikes. First guy homers, second guy homers. Now you're gun shy. You don't want to give up three homers in a row. So you walk a guy, so you get pulled. That dude in the bullpen is out. Bring in, what did Kevin Costner say? Meat? Hey, meat! Get in here! Throw some strikes and get us out of here. It's 13 to 8. Dude gives up two more homers, more walks. But that inning ended with a called strike three. I don't know why you take a called strike three when you've hit four home runs in the inning as a team. Two off the guy who's on the mound. What are you doing? Swing the bat. You're the go-ahead run. Swing the bat. Tigers win 17-14. That's a weird game. That is a really bizarro game. Washington Nationals didn't get to play their game. Four players, eight staffers testing positive for COVID, all but one vaccinated. Major League Baseball postponing their game against the Phillies last night. They had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, one shot. Apparently not as good against the Delta variant. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yankees reportedly finalizing a deal to acquire all-star outfielder Joey Gallo from the Texas Rangers. The Rangers in free-fall mode. That's an easy choice. Are you a buyer or are you a seller? Mm, we're 30 games under 500. we We're selling. New York's left-handed hitters have struggled this season, ranking last in the majors in batting average. They hit under 200. 28th in homers. 29th in the hard hit rate. That's a new stat. 33% of balls hard hit. They have 22 homers. Shohei Otani. Well, he doesn't have double. He's not at 44 yet. But he's got 70% more homers than all of the Yankees lefties combined. Bees open a series against the Albuquerque Isotopes tonight at 6.35. Listen to the action here on The Zone beginning at 6.15 with the On Deck Circle pregame show with Steve Klauke. You want to do an Olympic update or not, Yak? Sure, go ahead. The U.S. just won gold. Suni Lee with Simone Biles out wins Olympic gold. So there you go. You want to do Olympics? I got you an Olympic. No, that's all I got. I'm just going to listen to the trumpets. Trumpets are cool. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
When do we get our Olympic updates? We're doing them like every hour. It'll be coming in five-ish minutes. Oh, good. You'll get a real Olympics update there. I just stole the headline. Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack, Utah Jazz TV voice on AT&T Sportsnet. He joins us at 8.30. Ben Anderson, jazz writer for kslsports.com at 9 o'clock. This is 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You're going to help the Jazz draft, and you're going to do it next. What should they do with the 30th pick in the NBA draft? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's our friend David Locke. Give us your overall gauge on the draft. What type of draft is this? For all the criticism of AAU, I actually think there's some value to like how these guys have faced elite-level talent since they've been 12 years old. And so I think these guys are more ready. So it does seem like at the bottom of the draft, there actually might be some rotation players. So with that in mind, what do you think the Jazz do at 30? If you look at the 30th pick as the best way to make us better sometime in the next two or three years, then I honestly think using the 30th pick in some manner that allows us to re-sign Mike Conley and have less tax pressure is probably the correct way to use the 30th pick rather than drafting it. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Surga Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Surga Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or... Visit syringanetworks.net. The NBA draft is tonight. You don't have to be there to start because Kate Cunningham's going number one. You don't have to be there right away for the Jazz pick because the I'll Jazz. Turn, I'll turn it at 6.15 then. Okay. ABC and ESPN at 6 o'clock, and then the Sanger round will be on ESPN only. Jazz have the 30th pick. Question of the day, what do you want the Jazz to do? Trade up, trade down, trade out, draft this player, draft that player. What should they do? Their move will be interesting here. There will be other moves made around the league. John Hollinger, former stat guy, former Memphis Grizzlies executive, current writer for The Athletic, says all eyes right now are on the Thunder. There's plenty of rumors that they want to move up to number three and get Evan Mobley out of USC. And of course, as you know, they're sitting on a couple dozen draft picks, so I assume they can move enough draft picks to move up in the draft. Are they going to trade with Cleveland at number three and get Mobley? A USC guy who, if you watch Pac-12 basketball, looks like he'll be a really good pro. Tall, long, athletic, skilled, he looks good. No wonder Oklahoma City would want him. But that's the kind of stuff that people do who've had bad seasons and are struggling to rebuild. Trickier when you've had a good season and you're trying to figure out how to make it a championship season. Question of the morning. Up on Facebook, what should the Jazz do with the 30th pick in the draft? Dan says the usual, pick the best athlete available. That's a safe answer, Dan. And nine times out of ten, I'd sign off on it, but not now. 
Brian's funny. Get another uncoordinated center. Ha ha! Not liking the as of week pick. Don says the future is now. Trade it out for cash. Another rookie isn't the answer. We are in win now mode. Don, I think you're on to something right there. Will they trade it out for cash? That's one way to do it. If you just heard the promo in the previous break, David Locke was saying, what can you do with the pick that helps you sign Mike Conley? Make it possible to sign Mike Conley. And so Don's point, hey, trade it for cash and use that cash to offset the losses. And when you say sign Conley, you're talking luxury tax, you're setting yourself up for not just another big salary and a high salary total, but luxury tax penalties on top of that. And depending on how long he signed for, you know, they've got repeating luxury tax penalties built into this, and it'll just turn into a lot of money. Now, Ryan Smith is new as an owner. You know, the Millers owned the team for so long, we could kind of gauge what they were going to do. History could be our guide, but Ryan has no track record. How willing is he to be in the luxury tax? How willing is he to be deep in the luxury tax? How many years is he willing to be deep in the luxury tax for? And how close does he have to be to a championship? Does he have to be, like, guaranteed it, overwhelming, like the Warriors were with Durant? It's his money. It's easy for us to spend it all. And we will nonstop. But I think if you're an owner and you're in these positions, different owners are going to answer these different ways. And he hasn't been through this before. We aren't to the one-year mark of him buying the club yet. So these are all new questions, and it's hard to know. So Don, while traded out for cash, is one possible answer. I think a more likely scenario, and one that has been floated by multiple people, so I don't know who to give credit to at first, uh, certainly who we heard it yesterday from at Trib Jazz, Eric Walden joined us, and I said, well, and the Jazz have been on the other end of these trades. You take Derek Favors, and you attach the first-round draft pick to a player with an expensive salary, and they might want the player a little, they might want the player quite a bit, but you throw in a late first-round draft pick, and now they're willing to make the deal. For the money they're paying Favors, for the minutes and the production they got in the playoffs— you can see going in another direction there. Who can they bring in for less money who enables them to play a different way? If you have favors, you're going to play the same way that you play with Gobert, but not as at high a level. Favors isn't as tall. He isn't as long. No one's going to defend the way Rudy does. Taylor is ready to move that pick and move Ingles and that pick for Ben Simmons. Get Simmons on the cheap and develop him, which Snyder is excellent at. You get the point. Could Jazz fans adapt to Ben Simmons? Taylor, you just took one of the Jazz most popular players ever. Top 10 most popular players in Jazz franchise history. Excellent summertime uh, topic. Top 10 most popular. Has Joe got a shot at that? Yeah, absolutely he does. 
for Ben Simmons. Public enemy number one. He thought he should be rookie of the year instead of Donovan Mitchell. Police! He was in his second year. Cheater. And then he thought he should be defensive player of the year instead of Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Just picking off all Jazz star players one after another and then trying to insult them. And now you want to come here? Well, he probably doesn't want to come here. I don't know where he wants to go, but I can't imagine Utah's at the top of his list. So, just because it's hilarious, that would be a story, and we love stories, and we love stories that are hilarious. But I don't think that's happening. On the Philadelphia end of things, the reporting there says they are waiting patiently, not for the draft, but for the Olympics to end, and Lillard to come back and see his reaction to what's going on in Portland. And is Bradley Beal going to demand out in Washington? And can Philly get into that? Brian says, I'd draft a point guard or a power forward. If the fit isn't right there, trade the pick. Jazz got to fill those two needs somehow this offseason. You need to fill them with somebody who can play pretty quickly. You look at the history of the Jazz and the draft, And there have been a handful of guys who are so good that if the Jazz are that committed right now, if they've worked guys out and they've interviewed guys and they've talked to guys' references and they really believe in somebody, then they shouldn't trade this pick. I mean, that's how they felt about Rudy Gobert. On draft night, they had this little room off to the side where they did the press conferences and Dennis walked out of it just a bundle of nerves and stress and adrenaline (laughs) and he sat down at the podium and Locke was over in the corner like making eyes nodding his head they all thought they had something in Rudy Gobert and Locke told PK and I that night it's going to be a while because he's really raw but keep your eye on Gobert really he could really be something well now we all know what he's talking about and they had an idea. If they had that kind of idea in somebody, I think they should draft him. And I think a smart move in the, run, in the short run is to trade him. And I think that's the most likely thing to happen, is to trade the pick. And maybe you trade it to get a first-round pick that probably can't be a, a worse first-round pick, right? <laughs> Two, three years down the line. Or maybe you trade it to move a salary off your books. Favor would be an, an obvious possible example. Maybe there's a bigger deal out there that brings in the veteran you need to plug into this team. They've drafted lots of players in the back half of the first round. Morris Allman was the 25th pick. Costa Kufus was the 23rd. Eric Maynard was the 20th pick. You going for the drop, Yuck? I wondered if you would or not. Pavlovian response. Ring the bell. The dogs run over to the dish and they start drooling. PK would demand it. PK would have just done it by now. And for his mom, not to never have to work no more. The triple negative is special. Still spinning. Lots of people will do the double negative, but the triple negative, you break, you're breaking new ground. Rodney Hood, 23. Grayson Allen, tw- Oh, I dropped half in there. I did not get the exact quote. My bad. That's all right. I hadn't heard it in a while. Grayson Allen, 21. 
Would the Jazz be better off with a Grayson Allen type player this year? Or moving it to get a veteran? I think that question answers itself. What should the Jazz do tonight? Trade it. Rico Bear's 29. Donovan Mitchell has a five-year contract, four years guaranteed. So the next three or four years, the Jazz know what they have at the top of the roster. After that, who knows? If you have to rebuild in four years, well, you had a good run. You went to the playoffs a bunch of times. It shakes out however it shakes out. However many conference finals or NBA finals or whatever, you made your run at it. And if those guys at that point want to re-up and want to be here, and if Rudy's defeating father time and flying around the court at the age of 33 like he's still 23, well, he's in Carl Malone territory. It'd be a little hard to believe, but if it happens, great. Then it happens, and you ride it even longer. But you look what the Jazz did when Stockton and Malone were getting this age, and they were trying to build and win now. And they took a few shots in the draft, and some of them paid off. They got Brian Russell in the draft, and he developed pretty quickly, and he started a lot of games for him. But they were out there trading for veterans, signing veterans. And that's where the team needs to be now. And it's kind of hard to wrap your head around because they've been a young team on the way up for so long. But they're just not a young team on the way up anymore. So drafting the next Grayson Allen, who'll shoot it some nights, and okay, and then other nights not so much. But is he really going to come through on the road against the Clippers when the Clippers are on a run and the place is roaring, it feels like all is lost? feels to me like it's going to take a veteran to turn things around in that moment. Someone who's been in the mix before. And if you just look at the NBA Finals with the Suns and the Bucks, and we saw those runs. We saw teams, both teams, have terrible first quarters and then turn it around in the second quarter. And it was a completely different game in halftime. And who was doing it most of the time? Veterans. Of all the guys on the floor in Game 6, for both teams... Which guy looked most deer in the headlights? I would say DeAndre Ayton. Surprise, DeAndre Ayton was the youngest guy playing big minutes. He had less experience. And if he, he hadn't been in game six of the NBA Finals before. Giannis hadn't been in the NBA Finals before. But you've been deep in big playoff series, in big moments. So even if you haven't felt something exactly like that, you've at least been in the ballpark. And credit to Devin Booker. He had not been in that ballpark before, and he still delivered at a high level multiple times. But by the time the Jazz have a guy who's in his fourth, fifth, sixth year and is ready to pull that off, I'd have to look it up. I think Booker's a fifth-year guy, I think. But by the time a fifth-year guy, really, Rudy, Rudy's 34. The future is now. That is, a, that is almost a 50-year-old quote. It's an NFL coach who used to say that as he traded away draft picks and stockpiled veteran football players. But it was a good line, and it's been reused in every decade since he first said it. George Allen, he was coaching in Washington, got him to a Super Bowl. We lost to the undefeated Dolphins. And it was almost 50 years ago. But it's been repeated every decade. It's been repeated in multiple sports. And I think it's worth repeating in this decade in the NBA for the Utah Jazz. The future is now. 
What are they going to do in these next three to four years? What's the movie line? So you're saying there's a chance. And that's what the Jazz have. They have a chance. Locke laid it out when he was here on the show last week. He said, you go on these websites, you do all these statistical number crunching thing, a 538 or an ESPN, you know, what team does this, what chance does this team to have to win the title? And unless you're the Warriors with Durant or you're the Heat with LeBron, well, then your odds are probably 15%, 21%, I don't think there's anybody in the NBA this year who's given a 30% chance of winning the title. There are a lot of different teams that had a chance. And it came up roses, came up sunshine for the Milwaukee Bucks. But they had a chance the year before and did it. And they had a chance two years before, and they didn't do it then either. So they're one for three. They've connected on 33% of their championship chances. And they'll have a chance next year. And if I had to bet right now, I'd bet against them. But they got a chance. So line up your chance, whether it's 20, 25, 30%. And people will bet against you. But you might get it. Four different champions in the last four years, Locke pointed out. And that hasn't happened since there were five different champions in five years in the late 70s and early 80s. The last guys in those string, Magic getting his first and Bird getting his first. And that seems to be the era now. A lot of talent, a lot of three-point shooters. More talent than ever before because more people are playing basketball at a high level around the world than ever before. There are awesome European players coming in. And if the Jazz, as much as I'm talking trade, if the Jazz see someone in Europe who's a project but who has the high-end possibilities that Gobert had and they can get them late, then I'm fine with passing on the trade. I think it's the most likely way to go. I think it's the best way to go. It's what I expect tonight. But you never know when the phone rings what you're going to be offered. Or when you think you have something, but you got to wait, and the other guy makes a deal and uses the assets he was going to make to do a deal with you. So everything can fall apart. It all hangs in the balance. That's why that night with Rudy Gobert, Dennis Lindsay was a bundle of nerves. Thought he could get the Nuggets pick, and he eventually did, but you never know. What if somebody else calls the Nuggets and makes them an offer the Nuggets like better? 30 minutes before the pick, or 10 minutes before the pick. It's nerve-wracking. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. More on the draft, more on what the Jazz can do, more on what the Jazz should do, with Ben Anderson at 9 o'clock and with Craig Bullerjack at 8.30. That's coming up right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I think the Pac-12 needs to look at this as a golden opportunity to really not necessarily reinvent itself, but to come in with a position of power and say, look, we're going to make this thing bigger. We're going to make this thing better. We're going to reach into the Midwest and we're going to expand. I firmly believe that the Pac-12 needs to position itself and be proactive in terms of we're going to get bigger. We're going to get stronger. 
longer, and we are going to eliminate the Big 12. Add four teams out of the Big 12 right now. Look, everybody is out for their financial best interest. Forget about rivalries. Forget about loyalty. Let's all out the window. Everybody is out for themselves. Everybody's in survival mode. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah. As we count you down to the start of the college football season, it's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union at Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's funny when I listen to Scotty G talk because I talk a lot of sports with Scotty G. Every once in a while we get on the phone and it's just go time. And, you know, we follow the Mountain West, so we'll, we'll hit stuff that's off the beaten path, but then we also, uh, you know, talk about what we've heard or what we know or what we think about whatever's going on with the Jazz, the Utes, the Cougars, the NBA, or whatever. And uh, I talked to him about some uh, Jazz stuff the other day, and we, we were pretty much on the same page. And then I hear him do the top 60 and 60, and I think, how can you even do that? With all the transfers now? It's like I want to hear the 60 and 60 and see who they're sold on and why and then see how it pans out. I have never been, and, and this is partly it's the pandemic too, i got to admit, but I have never been more at a loss and more intrigued for a season than I am this one. I know that I know less. We didn't see a full 12-game season last year. We didn't see anything close to it. And some of the games we did see were so weird that it's hard to assess them. When the Utes open the season with a conference game, and it's the first game they played, it's going to be weird. They don't open the season with conference games that are at high stake. And then when they play another team, USC, who's already played football games and isn't playing their first game, when the most improvement you make is between the first and second game, you're into some pretty freaky territory. And if you only play five or six games. So I feel like there's two classes of recruits now that have a chance to burst on the scene. You got a new class of freshmen who just came in. You got a class behind that. And so you got double the unpredictability. And then you stack on top of that all these transfers. Who's going to fit the system? Who is not? Who's going to have the personality and fit with the group, and who is not? Who just isn't that good and transferred to get a fresh start, but is going to get the same amount of playing time that disappointed them at the last place? But who really is in a system that fits their skills better, and is going to blossom? And nobody can answer those questions. Coaches think they can but Kyle will come on the air, and Kalani will come on the air, and they'll tell you, ah, if you hit on two-thirds or three-quarters. Actually, A-Rod said it on BYU Media Day. If you hit on two-thirds or three-quarters of your recruits, so they think they know. And there's a lot of guys now who have been recruiting for a long time here in the state of Utah, so they are pretty good recruiters. they got the track record because it's a dog-eat-dog world, and the coach would have moved them out if they didn't have the track record. So they probably know, it's more likely they know than they don't, but even they know they're going to be disappointed by some of what they see 
and they may not even be 100% sure right now what it is they're going to see. So if they got doubts, how can we have not, not have doubts? And the other thing I completely disagree with Scotty on is raiding the Big 12 and killing that thing off. The Big 12, it's already been dramatically minimized. It doesn't matter. The Pac-12 is the fourth best league. Oklahoma and Texas are gone. The payouts are going to drop big time. You're going to be able to hire away any of their good coaches you want to. That's not your problem. Your problem is not the Big 12. The Pac-12 has passed the Big 12. Protected by geography and the fact that they're a long way away. That doesn't mean that everybody won't work, work their way out west to you eventually. When Kyle says, everything's on the table, there are going to be major changes, don't think these other three leagues can't come calling for USC, because they can. So, I don't think USC is going to feel great about adding Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. I don't think that's going to make USC stay. I don't think adding Utah and Colorado was the kind of move that's going to make USC stay. Those are singles and doubles. Adding Oklahoma and Texas is a home run. Adding Notre Dame would be a home run. If the Pac-12 can get Notre Dame, I would highly recommend it. I don't think there's any chance of that happening. But if they want to call and ask, I would shrug and say, well, I can't tell you not to. I don't think it'll work. So they got to figure out a home run. What's the kind of thing that's going to make them stay? Now, you're in a league that values tradition a little more than the Big 12. The Big 12 is a 25-year-old league. And everybody in that league already threw people overboard to make that league. Threw half the Southwest Conference overboard. There's more tradition. You got that on your side. And I think you need to do something that, with your traditional ally, the Big Ten. It's got to be some kind of consortium, scheduling deal. And you got to partner up with them. And you got to go to the Big, 12, Big Ten and say, well, what are you going to do? Go to 20 teams, which is now all the speculation. The SEC's at 16 on the way to 20, which seems crazy to me. But they just snagged Oklahoma and Texas. I wasn't sure 14 was a good idea. They went from, they went from 10 to 12 to 14 to 16. Who says they're stopping? So go with your traditional allies. This isn't how we do it. That's how they do it. Let's do something different that makes money. That's where I'd be looking. Of course, the Big Ten might reject you. <laughs> it might not be up for it. And you make this consortium, and how do Why you— Why do we need you? How do you—hey, there's, there's problems in this. I mean, I've thrown out the positives in this, but is the Big Ten going to take 50% of the money? They might be looking at it like, why don't we take 60 and you take 40? We've got 14 teams, and you got 12. I can't do the math on what percentage that would be. So all that stuff has to be worked out. But why expand? And there's plans out there. Add six teams. Take the four California schools, Oregon and Washington, become the Western Division of the Big Ten. It'd be new, it'd be unorthodox, it'd be weird. But why do something that weird and that crazy for 20 teams? Go to 26. Have teams in every time zone. Play games all day long. I think it'd be real attractive to a TV network or TV networks. Do the NFL model. You both already have games on ESPN and Fox. You know how to do this. And CBS is a third bidder. Two packages, three bidders. Let's have an auction. 
Games all day long. Relaunch the Pac-12 network. Maybe the Pac-12 and Big Ten networks have Big Ten games in the morning and have Pac-12 games at night. All day long. Games all day long. Let's face it, we're not tuning in for the studio shows. We're tuning in for the games. Studio shows are good as a bridge to the next game. I don't mind half an hour, an hour highlights at the end of the night, but it's, it's the dessert. It's not the main course. You don't sit down at Thanksgiving and bring out the pies first. Yeah, you do it at my house, but... Not the Snigeldorf house, apparently. We, we, do, it, we do it different. <laughs> Everyone eat as much apple pie as possible. The turkey and the stuffing will be ready in three hours. Meantime, pie. We had Hans Olsen over one year. That's where the line came from. I got to get this pie in me. Hans, there's no rush, man. We got three hours of pie eating time before we get to the main course. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's draft day. More on the draft next. Craig Bowlerjack at 8.30. Ben Anderson at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. Join Hans and Scotty G Friday at the warehouse, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! PK really has a lot of varieties of boom. I don't tend to. Like the boom? I grew up at a football stadium that had a cannon in it. Okay. Boom! Fortunately, we were at the other end of the stadium from the cannon, so it didn't scare me that much as a little kid. I did get caught off guard once at a Ute game. <laughs> Forgot the cannon was over my shoulder. Big old flinch right there. So last year, obviously, BYU allowed media to go to, these, go to their games. I was covering a fair amount of them. Mm-hmm. They have that cannon that sits down in that southeast yeah. corner. It's an empty stadium. That boom reverberates a little more <laughs> than typically does. I hadn't thought of that. It's a bit of a weird... I don't, I don't go to nearly as many college football games as I used to. There was that stretch. Because I'm anchoring on Saturdays, I'm in studio. So I very rarely, sometimes if there's a real early start, Saturday at noon, I would go to a game, but there aren't many of those. And there's none of them now. Uh, but there have been a few I've been at. And I used to go to all the Thursday night games, but the NFL took over Thursday night games. So now they play Friday night games, and I'm anchoring all the high school highlights again. So uh, not, I'm not at as many games to get scared by those cannons. I, for whatever reason, I never really stood in that one corner LFL Edwards Stadium. Mostly stay on the same side as the TV cameras. Because if you intercut between the TV cameras and the, the ENG, electronic news gathering cameras, then you need to be on the same side of the field. And it throws people if they're going the other way. It's like, what quarter was that? What? that? That's confusing. It's, it's amazing. All right. Will the Jazz find amazing in the draft tonight? Six o'clock, draft gets underway, ABC and ESPN. Second round is ESPN only, but the first is on both. Who should the Jazz pick? They're drafting 30th. The mock drafts are out. Rarely have I been this not interested in the first round. Combination of the Jazz being good, the Jazz drafting late, thinking there's a very good chance the Jazz end up trading the pick. I'm, I'm really intrigued if they do trade the pick, which I think is the most likely outcome. My question is, what will they end up trading it for? I think they've looked at multiple scenarios here. Do you trade it to move a salary? Do you trade it to acquire a veteran? 
do you trade it to trade out of this draft and pick up a draft and pick up a pick in a draft that's two or three years away? Begin stockpiling picks in case you have a rebuild four years, three, four, five years down the line. So all of that catches my attention and holds my attention better than the guys who are in this pick, in this draft, and who they might pick. I do think, though, if they have found somebody they really, really like, and they're really locked in on it, and if they have the word I'll go for, the word of the morning, Yach, if they have conviction, if everybody in the room is like, are you kidding me? This guy's going to be great. Now, maybe the rest of the basketball world doesn't think this guy's going to be great. But if you think he is, they had that kind of conviction with Mitchell, and they had it with Gobert. They were super hyped for both of those players, and it turned out they were right. And it turned out they were on the cutting edge because if other NBA teams knew then what they know now, they would have cut in front of the Jazz and gotten those guys. Or they were in front, they would have just taken them. But even if they didn't have a pick right in front of it, they would have gone out and done whatever it took to get one of those picks. And if the Jazz have that going this year, and you don't have that going very often, very rarely do clubs have that kind of definitive, overwhelming conviction that someone's in there telling, if anyone says a word, you're fired! (laughs) Which, by the way, I believe that happened. Oh, yeah. And I'm fine with it. Well, there have been some people who've tried to downplay that. I, oh, I, I was joking. No. No. And judging by how good he's turned out to be, you shouldn't have been you, joking. You were dead on. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. Well, whatever. And if they've got that this year, if they've been in there and, uh, and Jay-Z's in there telling people, breathe a word and you're fired, because they've got that kind of conviction, then to the trade scenarios. And what, I just fooled three of them? So to all of them. If you've got that kind of conviction... Go for the guy. You got a good enough track record, we're all in. It goes a little against the grain of where they are as a team and their uh, roster development and all that. But if he's going to be that good, get him. The names that are getting thrown out there in the mock drafts are all over the board, as you would expect at 30. And this is impossible because the mock drafts, and we talked about this with Chad Ford, and we replayed it this morning. It was on yesterday. And we replayed it earlier this morning. If you haven't heard it, go to 1280thezone.com. And Chad gets into this a little bit. It's not just the Jazz who are looking to trade. And it's one of the reasons I think it's going to happen. There are a lot of teams looking to trade in. There are a lot of teams looking to trade out. So it's very likely that there will be a deal there if they want it. So putting these mock drafts together, and Chad Ford's one of the guys who does it, by the time you get to 30, even if the Jazz hold a pick and you know, they've got this conviction and they want to get whoever it is, what's happening in those picks in front of them? Who's trading in and who's trading out? So when you don't really know which team's going to have a pick, and when people are saying, oh, there's going to be five, Eight, ten, and there's all kinds of wild numbers and predictions out there about how many draft trades are going to be. There's no way known who's going to be on the board. And one thing that could happen is the Jazz can move up because they got some conviction for some guy, and you know, the price to move from 30 to 25 may not be that high. Now, the Jazz have already traded away one of their future second round picks. Well, they don't have a second round pick tonight for start, so they're kind of Indiana limited in what they can move. Pick. 
but there are ways. Some of those picks can have been bought. Well, and the, sold. Yeah, they, so, they, they bought back in. Was it once or right. twice last year? Yeah. So you you can. Yeah. Well, remember when, um, when they had the three picks and the last ten picks in the draft right yeah. at the end when they got Mieoni? Correct. Yeah. So you can you can you, get back in. You can quick. get back in if you have to. You know, it may take multiple moves. You can do it. So here's some of the names. Here's some of the people. Sports Illustrated says Jaden Springer, guard, Tennessee. Just played the one year. He's 6'4", so he's got a little size on the guard line. You know, like that. Jazz are reportedly looking to move off salary. Yeah, everybody's onto that. That's not a big secret. And could attach this pick to an unwanted contract in a trade that could further that pursuit. Springer is another tough player to find a spot for right now, but he has interest all over the first round. His range begins in the late teens. He's a favorite of analytically driven front offices, and the fact he's still 18 and viewed as more of a long-term prospect will make him more appealing in some places than others. Long-term prospect makes him a little less appealing here in my eyes. Not every playoff-bound team will rush to select a teenager, but Springer does have real upside and could be a trade target for teams if he begins to slip into the 20s. He battled injuries during a productive freshman year and projects as a solid defender with an unorthodox but effective floor game. He's still one of the more divisive players in the class. His scouts remain split on where his upside lies. If that doesn't do it for you, and I got to admit I'm a little lukewarm, CBS's mock draft has Joe Weiskamp. Weiskamp tested well at the Combine athletically. And he's a 6'7 junior. He's coming off a career year at Iowa in which he made nearly half of his 158 three-point attempts. Shot 46.2% from the three-point line. Averaged about 15 points, six and a half rebounds a game. With his shooting ability, it would be silly to let him slip out of the first round. Silly is an award you see in a lot of mock drafts. Don't be silly. We talk to four-year-olds here. Don't be silly. New York Post says the Jazz at 30 will draft Greg Brown III, a forward from Texas. 6'9". Brown has the tools to contribute defensively as the mobile big man the Jazz lack. If the jump shot develops, Utah could have a steal with a one-time projected lottery pick. This is where you got to have conviction and see what other people don't see. Because other people have looked at him, he's a lottery pick. And then they looked at him again, and they looked at him again, like, he's not really a lottery pick. He's more of a mid-first-round guy. And they looked at him again, you know, he's more of a late-first-round guy. But there have been plenty of late-round, first-round picks who've... That would have been better if I'd said late-first-round picks. That was bonus use of the word round right there. Late-first-round picks turned out to be good players. So it comes down to conviction. That is the word of the draft. Underline it. Circle it. Highlight it. Well, we can keep going through mock drafts, but you get the idea. Literally, every time you click on a mock draft, it's a different guy. we got Ben Anderson coming up at 9 o'clock. He writes for KSLSports.com. He's got his dirty dozen, the 12 guys the Jazz are looking at. And you got to have that wide a net. Because who knows who's getting picked in front of you? And who knows who's doing the selecting in front of you? Who's drafting? I mean, you can look at the draft order now, but that doesn't mean it's going to hold up at the time. And the NBA has this weird thing they do. And I don't understand why they do it, because the NBA does a lot of PR stuff, right? But when everybody and their dog, when the German Shepherd, 
when Rover knows the trade is coming, why do they bring people up there and put the caps on them and do the interviews? Oh, how do you think you're going to fit in in Denver? You're being traded to Utah. It's the weirdest thing. Right? And everybody knows it's coming. Isn't there a workaround? Because both Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, their draft night photos. There's no way. Are them wearing- a league that figured out how to put the bubble together. Yeah. How to test everybody, keep them secure at Disney World, play regular season games, and can, play four rounds of the playoffs. Can't figure out how to get the right cap on the dude's head? All I can assume is because the trade isn't finalized via the official channels, the, the, the bylaws, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yach just hurried that up because he just saw my eyes spin back into the top of my head. It's true, though, but it's, it's weird that Rudy Gobert's draft night photo is him in a Denver Nuggets cap. Same thing with Donovan Mitchell. So... Are they making, and this is a separate discussion, and we got like two or three minutes here, and I can talk about this with Bowler a little bit maybe. So at some point, are they making so much money that they just don't care anymore? That they don't want to do the most efficient thing and what is best for the game in the long run? You would think a draft night photo of Rudy in a jazz cap would be helpful. Now, admittedly, it's a detail, right? If Rudy blocks the Mavericks shot at the buzzer and 18,306 are on their feet screaming, that's the most important thing. I get it. I agree. We don't have to argue about that. But people are about the stories. People love the stories. And the storytelling is just being stopped on numerous levels. Nothing matters but winning. If we win, the building will be full. That's true. If you win, the building will be full. I have rooted for the San Diego Padres since I was in elementary school. They haven't been very good very often. And when they are good, the building is full. And when they're not, but if you're trying to get that extra 5 or 10%, and what owner doesn't want 5 or 10% more money? Owners have variations on this line. Keep making it because I'm spending it. Spending's only going one way. You got to keep figuring it out. And to walk away from 5 or 10% of the money because you don't tell the stories anymore, it just seems crazy to me. And we started to see players even complain about it. Andre Iguodala, why is everything got to be a tweet? What happened? To, now, Andre's a veteran, right? So by NBA standards, he's Clint Eastwood, grumpy old man, right? Get the Clint Eastwood gift, right? Get off I get, my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> And I get that, but I think he's right. He's like, he knows early on that he could have side conversations and explain stuff. And he could shape people's perceptions, which in turn is going to shape their stories. Here's what's going to be really important in this game. Watch for this. As opposed to getting some wild analysis and creating some storyline that turns divisive and is a huge distraction... But everybody seems to be going away from that. And it's not just a, a jazz thing or at the college level, a Utah or BYU thing. Everyone's super busy. Everyone's super detail-oriented. Everyone's going to watch that film one more time. Okay. But the story's not getting told, and casual fans are kind of drifting away. Now, I think casual fans are drifting away. Because there's never been more video available. There's never been more live sports available. There have never been more sitcoms 
more reality shows available, more dramas available. So that, that is part, that is a big part of the reason that all these ratings are getting fractured and casual fans are drifting away. No better example than the Olympics right now. I don't think we're going to have time for it today. Maybe we'll have time for it tomorrow or next week or whatever. Maybe it's one of those topics we'll never hit, but I put it up on our Facebook page, on my Facebook page, uh, DJ and PK. You can put it up on DJ and PK's. I, I'm on David DJ James. That's where it's up. But it's not on DJ and PK because, yuck, for whatever reason, I've lost access to that. I used to be able to post. I can't anymore. I was having issues this morning, so I'm wondering if it was just an overnight deal. It's up. No, it's the, it's like this was a problem a month ago. Well, you still can't do yeah, it. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what's going on. Hmm, let's investigate. Yeah. Anyway, what Olympic sports are you watching? Because they just say the Olympic ratings are down. Well, of course they are. You got the Olympics on five channels. I can't watch them all. It's cool that now over on NBC Sports Network, I can see what I want to see. I, I tend to gravitate more towards the team sports. I don't know why that is, but I do. I mean, it's not that I don't watch any individual sports. I'll, I'll watch some swimming, and I'll watch some track and field. But mostly, I'll, I want to watch baseball or basketball. For reasons going back to my youth, I like to watch water polo. I know that makes me odd. I'm totally in on the volleyball. It's California in me. I can't help it. I probably like the indoor game a little more than the beach game. But I, I tend to go towards those. Ratings for gymnastics were down. Yeah, well, I was over here watching basketball, so I don't know what to tell you. So we got a what are you watching? And you know what we found out about our, uh, my wife was asking me this, why don't you talk about the Olympics in the morning? I said, because they're on multiple networks and the people who really care are watching them. Yeah, currently on NBC Sports Network, I'm watching two uh, Chinese table tennis players do battle. And it's again, individual sport, can't really watch it. I haven't watched any. Really? Doesn't do anything for me. Table tennis at an elite level is pretty fascinating. <laughs> it's hypnotic. It it's is. not fascinating. I think it's it hypnotic. I'll give you that. But we were talking about earlier in a break, like team handball event. Like that's not a thing. That team we, handball. But we looks like we don't watch it in the United States. No, we don't. It looks like a combination of basketball and soccer. And I'm sure there's probably you know a little bit of hockey in there too. I grew up in the Sun Belt. I'm not as big a hockey guy. Sorry. It might not as big. I mean, I've been to one NHL game in my life. Used to go to minor league hockey as a kid, though. Had an aunt who totally loved it. She always took us. It was crazy. It was a total outlier for her. She wasn't a huge sports fan, but she loved hockey. Go figure. All right, DJ and PK, coming up next, NBA draft. Craig Bullerjack on draft day. I don't know. I've not had this conversation uh, with Bowler in depth, but I suspect he's going to be trade-out guy. But we'll see. We'll find out together. Next, Ben Anderson at 9 o'clock. He's got his dirty dozen prospects. We'll run through them. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I think the Pac-12 needs to look at this as a golden opportunity to really not necessarily reinvent itself, but to come in with a position of power and say, look, we're going to make this thing bigger. We're going to make this thing better. We're going to reach into the Midwest and we're going to expand. I firmly believe that the Pac-12 needs to position itself and be proactive in terms of we're going to get bigger. We're going to get stronger and we are going to eliminate the Big 12. Add four teams out of the Big 12 right now. Look, everybody is out for their financial best interest. Forget about rivalries. Forget about loyalty. Let's all out the window. Everybody is out for themselves. Everybody's in survival mode. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Updates from Tokyo brought to you by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ. A little ZZ top for you, Bowler. I appreciate that. It was tough to hear the news yesterday. Um, the the one of the two bearded ones have passed away, Dusty Hill. Yep. Wow. Seventy two wow. years old. Yeah, boy, I'd say those guys together a long time. Wonder if that's the end of ZZ Top or if they just find uh well, hard to replace what was. True story. Bowlers join us right now on the Smart Rain Guest Line. July is considered Smart Irrigation Month to celebrate. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is giving away free smart controllers to commercial properties until the end of July. Hosting costs not included. Visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333 for more information. All right, Bowler, NBA draft tonight. You got a player you think the Jazz are going to draft or you think they're going to trade the pick? Trade up, trade down, trade back a couple years or attach it to a veteran Create some cap room. When we say attach it to a veteran, nobody wants to say Derek Favors because he's literally he one of the all, nicest all... guys to walk through a jazz locker room. But you know what? It's a cold-hearted business, and he makes a lot of money, and they need a lot of money to sign Mike Conley. They do. They do. All, all that you just said is all possibilities tonight. I mean, you know, this is, again, one of those guessing games every year that we go through. And, you know, you, you just make a point about the cash needed. Uh, you know, if you're a, a number one pick, whether you're one through 30, there's guaranteed money that's that's available. Obviously, a number one pick is making multiple uh, millions of dollars, just, you know, despite uh, or compared to the 30th pick. So but it's still it's, it's money the Jazz would have to to dictate and and hand out. Um, and that's less money for Mike Conley. You know, what I wanted to talk to you about is what is the going rate for a free agent of Mike Conley's worth? That's that's the one thing I just can't put a finger on and the, and the number of years that would go with it as well. Look, it's a great combination in the backcourt. We saw that when healthy. But I, I think, again, though, that you have to consider age, health, and all the above analytics would come into it as well, but also your gut on where the Jazz go with Mike. Now, saying that, uh, they also have needs, DJ, as you know, for a backup point guard that would give them stability and not much of a drop-off if Mike would have issues. Well, so, okay, you <sighs> – Listen, but Bowler, Bowler cap, you don't so get to sit on Santa Claus's lap until after Thanksgiving, okay? <laughs> I mean, I everything you said makes sense, and I get why Jazz fans would wish for it all. But, easy, okay, if Conley does down, the Jazz needs someone at a veteran minimum who can play at the same level. Well, you well, could, you could that's not use, happening. You could use the mid-level if you don't, if the Conley situation, well, yeah, I know. It's, it's, I, and I don't think at 30 you find a guy – whatever name you want to throw out there in this draft that is going to be an impact guy. Now, do you trade up and do you have your eye on a, on, on a player that you feel like can good, that can get rotation minutes? You know, that's something Justin Zanuck uh, obviously knows by this point in time. Um, I'm going to guess no. I wish, and, yeah, and I, I don't, no. I don't know it. I can't report it. I don't. 
But uh, trying to read the tea leaves and talk to people and read everything that's out there, to me, they're going to trade out. That would be my first prediction, what is most likely. First off, I don't think they 100% know what they're going to do because the phone can ring. You talked to someone a week ago, and they weren't really interested, but they now think it's their best thing, and they circle back to it. That oh, has yeah. happened pressure, before. Pressure, the pressure of the moment, right, makes makes all the all the Cre- difference. Yeah. And, and you're right. And also, everybody's doing their own private auction. So they were just they told you no, trying to get you to come back to them with a sweeter offer, and you moved on to the next thing. Well, they're playing the same game with six other teams, and now they're like, "Hey, that thing the Jazz talked to us about—that's our best bet. Let's call them yeah. and do it." Well, the Jazz, until the phone rings, you don't know that Team Z or W or whatever is going to call you back. So. They don't know for sure what's going to happen when the phone rings in the next, what have they got, ballpark? 11, 12 hours? Yeah. Yeah, what? 12, six, six, probably. 6.30, yeah, 12. It's 12-ish uh, yeah. hours till they pick. Yeah, 12-ish, 10-ish, 9-ish, yeah. well, 11. <laughs> you, yeah, just, you, picking ran- you sound like PK picking random numbers. It's, yeah. it's more than nine. Boy. Yeah, it's more than nine. <laughs> it's more than uh, nine. But you make a point, though, it's it's um, it, it's – it's it's a game that is played by all thirty general managers, and when the clock gets closer to the to the hour where the decision has to be made, then you go and, and you make decisions that are going to impact your franchise. So uh, this is Justin Zanuck's first true test. This is also Ryan Smith's first true uh, test as an owner. Excuse me, as an owner with Dwayne Wade. And I'm anxious to see some of the philosophies. I mean, the Miller organization, you know, obviously ran things a little different. And, you know, you and I have talked before about, you know, there were times that we kind of could really better predictors of what the Jazz would do. Dennis always made it clear, and so did Kevin O'Connor, and even back in the day of Scotty Layden, where they, you know, they, they, look, they knew they had a job to do, but they also had parameters. And so they stayed within those 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 parameters to protect the Millers, but also the Millers always said, "Look, if we're if we're if it's going to help our team, and we're going to move closer to the championship, then let's discuss what the money situation would be, jumping into a luxury tax situation." So, uh, one thing that always echoes in my mind is what you know Ryan said early after taking the basketball. You remember that momentous moment where Gail passed uh, the stewardship, as she said, to, to Ryan and his family and wants to win now. Uh, there are a lot of great pieces I think we ought to talk about, too, DJ, in this jazz, on this jazz roster that many people in the NBA believe still, if you play it back or play it forward, however you want to say it, and you continue on the way, with other issues in the NBA, especially in the West, with other teams, the Jazz still are setting in a pretty good spot. I believe that. I, I believe that's true. The roster is pretty good. The team is pretty good. Jamal Murray, how long is it going to take him to come back? What in, in playing part of a season didn't work for Jordan, right? right. So right. is it going to work for Murray? Ditto for the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. Are right. the Lakers going to be healthy? Everyone can guess. Nobody knows. They've got two guys, does either Portland, one of whom. Does Portland blow it up? Does it Dane doesn't Lillard, matter. Portland isn't, the Jazz are better than Portland. I'm not worried about agreed, that. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. But what it does, it still gives you that instability for many teams around the West. It should 
give the Jazz and fans who do, look. You, 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 when you lose the four straight and you and you're out in the second round, you, you okay? You could say, "Wait, we made progress. We got into round two after being knocked down in round one." But look, the other part of this equation, and this is probably the most important, is uh, convincing, proving—not convincing, but proving—to Donovan Mitchell the Jazz are actually moving forward to a title, even a stronger move, a dominant move. Mm. Uh, because look, there's I, four years plus one on the contract, and uh, that's that's going to play a big factor in the decision the Jazz made I, from here I, on out. I believe that, but I don't think it's so much about proving to anyone that they're moving towards the title. They're close enough now. I think the 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 thing is how they actually get it. I mean, they went out in the second round this year. Well, the Bucks went out in the second round last year. And now yeah. they're holding the title. So if you make the right move, it's not about proving to somebody that you could do it one day. It's like, why can't next year be the year they do it? Well, and now you could I'm say sure. that about several teams, and I get that, and I believe that. But you can say it about the Jazz, too. Yeah, you know, look what a Drew Holiday was able to, right. to, to yes. impact. And that's, that's my point to Donovan, is that it's the piece that you need. And I'm sure there's a, a, a part of this where he's consulted um, what what his thoughts of what the deepest or the most uh, obvious need is, and that's that's the point. Look, Middleton and Giannis grew together to help you know build the the, the foundation and the centerpiece of a, of it all. But yet, there's a couple of things that were done to push them over the top, and that's the point. Is what are the Jazz? What does it take financially? Uh, to actually get that done. Um, is it a Mike Conley sign that puts them over the tax? And what, el- what else can they do to actually uh, put a- another piece in place, whether that's a 6'7 wing defender who can actually fly in to play some small ball? when they're Because, DJ, they're going to be faced with that multiple times yep. in the future. True. And so that's something, again, that has to be talked about, dissected. Rudy has to understand there may be nights or moments in a game where he's not on the floor to counter uh, a small ball type of attack. Now, I may be speaking and people may be going, how dare you? But you, the adjustments that I think we saw uh, that teams are making against the Jazz uh, will force them to make some decisions in that regard. I just don't know that anyone they're going to get at 30, and even if they're able to move up incrementally to 25th or 20th, is going to be the Drew Holiday who puts them over the top. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. to the Agreed. degree you need the money and you need the roster spots, and, and Locke brought this up, and I, I hate to compliment Locke because then, you know, <laughs> he just doubles down on you, you know, and it just gets yeah, to be overwhelming you know, what at times. What he'll do is he'll play that back on you later and say, but, oh, yeah. But he was right when, like, well, how do you find your Frank Kaminsky? Now, no one is nominating Frank Kaminsky for a Hall of Fame or an All-Star game. Mm -hmm. But he's a veteran. There's a couple things he can do. Kevin O'Connor once um, said, you need one skill. Give me a guy who's got one skill at an elite level. Like, Paul Millsap can rebound at an elite level. The rest of it, with experience... And hard work and practice, he can get better at. But he can rebound at an elite level. So he could play right away. And then he got better, and now we see he's had this really good long career. So is there something you can do at an elite level? Frank Kaminsky could come in 
when the pressure was at the highest and the lights were the brightest, and he got the Suns three hoops to try and keep them in the game. And no one expects that guy in that roster spot on that salary to be the guy who wins the game, but contribute, and he did. And the guy who was most dear in the headlights was DeAndre Ayton. Now, when their careers are said and done, DeAndre Ayton could be two or three times the player Frank Kaminsky ever was. But you need someone right now, and Ayton, in his third year, was dear in the headlights in Game 6, and he Kaminsky was. gave you something. Yeah. He gave yeah, you, you make something. A great point. Chris Paul tried to talk Ayton out of the deer in the headlights moment, right? And mm-hmm. it just didn't work out that way. Somebody asked me to look up uh, 30th picks taken in the yeah. NBA draft. Let me just throw you five names. Okay. That, and, and one is Jimmy Butler. All right. Okay. Uh, that was, you know, Chicago 2011. Uh, and there's, you know, multiple names here, but I'm just going to. There's five that kind of David Lee, all right, uh, out of Florida. Remember that Knicks '05. Bad teams, um, but he put up good numbers on him. He ended up with the Warriors yeah, later in his yeah, career. Yeah, and really, most of the times you're going to go to teams uh, that either pick up a pick or you get somebody who's already won or a Western Conference or Eastern Conference title, right? Because 30th picks usually belong to those types unless you pick them up in another way. Um, uh, I'm looking Howard Isley, who had a role with the Jazz. Uh, Minnesota okay, but, picked but him. But Howard Isley, nothing against Howard Isley, but he took, it was 94. Now, by 98, his fourth year in the league, he could play. Do the Jazz want to get somebody who they invest four years in so he can become a role player? That, that's, the, that's really the point, right? I think um, the answer to that is no. No, I think the time is now. That's right. the word. I mean, now, I mean, you have players in the developmental system right now. Remember with, uh, with what the stars are doing and there's uh, some guys are going to play next week uh, in the summer league, uh, that we're going to get a heavy look at because they're going to, they're going to put two teams on the floor, the blue and the white, uh, getting back to the, to other, I'm just throwing out names here and they not Festus Ezeli. Yes. I just wanted to say Festus Azili. I'll, I'll be honest. I was yeah. just, I'm sorry, that was 12-year-old uh, me Mark taking over West, the show. Uh, Mark West, who, who, who was a journeyman in the league. Uh, so, was, and Kenny Nat was a former Jazz uh, assistant. Uh, Mark West, I already mentioned, and Nate McMillan. Those are just five names that jumped out. Sean Rooks is in there as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Finnis Dembo. Remember the Finnis yeah. Dembo? Craze from Wyoming. Yeah, I do. Yeah, sadly. So again, a fun name. You you make a great point though, DJ. Look, it may be a player down the road that can find some rotation minutes, but is it the guy, uh, the player you want and need at the moment? And right. that's what it's. That, and so what you just said about trading out makes sense, unless the Jazz have their eye uh, on either a European or someone that hasn't been given a lot of you know press or. Uh, you know that the spotlight shines on that they know about and they feel good about it and they're scouting that they want to trade up for conviction that is the rarity, word but, conviction yeah. do they have the conviction they had when they drafted Gobert and they drafted Mitchell they no, weren't they didn't point. stumble on those guys they knew when they drafted them they thought they had something different unusual and special well teams who finally find a way to the title you know they they are 
they do two things. They, they make smart draft decisions, and they also are able to draw in the right pieces in free agency or trades uh, to make it make those pieces all fit together. It's a great point you just made because, look, Carl and John were mid-first-round picks that were bypassed by many teams and are Hall of Famers, uh, and the Jazz were able to take not one but two away from Denver. And both are now multiple all-star appearances and a three-time defensive player of the year. And in my opinion, Donovan has yet hit his, uh, hit his, uh, hit, hit, hit his peak, so to speak. I think the guy can get better. He can flirt with 30 a game, 29, 28, depending on free throws and obviously staying healthy. But I don't think we've seen still the consistency that's going to be coming from Donovan Mitchell. Well, that's probably more important than whatever decision they make. If Donovan actually finds another gear, when you think of all the gears he's already found, if he finds another one, it seems like we're getting greedy, and that's a little too much to wish for. But, uh, hey, Milwaukee fans got greedy with Antetokounmpo, and he found another gear, and now they've got the championship they wished for. So Yeah, exactly. It it does happen. It's weird to sit here and say this player who's very good, if only they were greater. But when it happens, it's championship time. Well, but I think it's an honest and, and true discussion to say that we, I, I think that, and Donovan, if he, we were talking to him right now, he would say, look, yeah, his goal is to be better. I mean, you know, everyone's comparing him with Dwayne Wade and, you know, to, you know Donovan Mitchell 2.0 or D. Wade 2.0. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. But look, Donovan still is an individual on his own. He's one. Not as not as big as as uh, D. D. Wade after the remeasure they did in the NBA, but the guy plays at a high level. I mean, the guy can jump out of the gym. Staying healthy is the most important thing, right? But he's still David. Look, DJ. He, he's he's a guy. I don't think has reached his his limit yet in development. And most guys will tell you, ah, three years in, four years, you kind of know. But I, for Donovan, I'm not buying that. He's going into his fifth season. And I still think he has a lot, a lot of room to improve. Uh, PK's gotten a little a tired. Of me. That goes with that. PK's gotten tired of me saying this, but he's gone now, so I can say it one more time without getting yelled at. But Yak will back me up on this. Uh, the the reason I think Donovan has another gear, everything you said, Bowler. But the reason I think is that he went for thirty nine points, nine rebounds, nine assists. He couldn't jump. He couldn't land, and everybody knew it. And the Clippers couldn't do anything about it anyway. Oh, yeah. So if he's actually healthy and he can jump and he can land pain-free, how good can he be? What's he going to do? And and PK would jump me right away, and and there'd be some truth to it. Well, oh, so you think he's going to get – he should get 50. I don't know if he should get 50, but I I think he can and he will. I don't know if I should put that on anyone, but Antetokounmpo did, you know. So I I don't know what his ceiling is, but if you're – if you're clearly hobbled the way he was and you still go 39-9, and nine, I'm, I'm wondering what you're capable of when you're healthy. Uh, it was easy to write the bubble off and say, oh, it's the bubble. There's no travel and there's no fans and the shooting background and you get in a groove unlike anything in the NBA. Okay, well, he was hurt, he was traveling, and there were fans, and he still did 39. So where, time, where's dude, it going? Jay, on your point, he made it look easy. Yeah. That's that's the whole thing. I mean, did he have to work that hard at it? I mean, I, I when you at, you know at the end of the day, at the end of the night, that a kid. You go wow, thirty nine, wow, 
and we've seen him drop 40, and he does it with an array of shots inside out. Uh, and again, the free throw, he understands that now with his driving ability is that he can go to the free throw line, and he's outstanding uh, at the stripes. So that's how guys go from 24, 23, to 29, to 28, or whatever it may be, or even flirting with 30. He could be a top-five scorer in the NBA. Bowler, we're going to leave it right there. So you're thinking trade tonight is most likely? Um, I would, uh, just because of the things we outlined. The money they need to make Mike Conley happy, if that's the direction. That's really, I hate to say it's a cliche of cliches, but in the whole scheme of things, uh, when you start to talk to free agents next week and then being able to sign them later, and look, there's some talking that's already been that's happening, you know, in know. Uh, a know. back channel <laughs> way, right? Let's be honest. In some way, for every team in the league, they have to understand where they're going. And the first quote domino that we like to say to fall uh, really focuses on the money that will be distributed to Mike Conley if he decides. Really, he has the decision. Uh, what Dallas was interested, uh, I think, was one of the the talks. You know, others I'm sure uh, find him intriguing. But, you know, the system is what it's about. And does Mike fit the system? We know what what he does when healthy and how he plays alongside Donovan. So there's the answer. Uh, but you have to understand, uh, we, have, we have to understand what Ryan Smith will do, and we don't yet, when it, when it comes to spending. And I, we're going to start to find out here soon. Bowler, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. All right, DJ. Take care. Craig Bolerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Coming up, stay with us. More with Ben Anderson, KSL.com. He's got his dirty dozen, 12 guys the Jazz might draft. We'll find out if he thinks they're actually going to draft. Or if that was a column and it was interesting, it was fun to read, but it's not how things are going to shake out. We'll get to that next. Well, in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's our friend David Locke. Give us your overall gauge on the draft. What type of draft is this? For all the criticism of AAU, I actually think there's some value to like how these guys have faced elite-level talent since they've been 12 years old. And so I think these guys are more ready. So it does seem like at the bottom of the draft, there actually might be some rotation players. So with that in mind, what do you think the Jazz do at 30? If you look at the 30th pick as the best way to make us better sometime in the next two or three years, then I honestly think using the 30th pick in some manner that allows us to re-sign Mike Conley and have less tax pressure is probably the correct way to use the 30th pick rather than drafting it. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJPK brought to you by, in part by Homie. Finally the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and you'll save thousands. Homie, a better way to sell. So we got it out there. We've been talking draft all morning. We got it out there on Twitter. What should the Jazz do? The thrill says trade up. How far up could they possibly trade? How much can they move? And where do they think they can find an impact guy? I want impact. Jazz have a chance to win a championship in the next three to four years. Go for it. What can you do to build a championship roster this year? Go for it. I'm not about the future anymore. Been about the future for a long time. I'm all about now, now. The thrill says trade up. This guy says trade it to New Orleans for Zion. 
okay, this guy at SLC Bass, you're just wasting our time here. That's what you're doing. Trying to be funny? What are you doing? Ray says, find the guy that three years from now, if drafted again, would be in the top five. There's at least one in every draft. Find him! All caps, exclamation points. The sleeper. The best guy on the board. How often have the Jazz pulled that off in their history? When it was time to draft, they picked the best player left on the board. I haven't looked, but I think I can find five times they've done that in there. Which is like once every, what is that, once every eight years-ish? It's about 40 years. It's more than 40. It's like 43 or something, but I can't do the math on 43. Stockton was the best player on the board. Malone was the best player on the board. Rudy and Donovan. Those are the four easy ones. Can you think of the fifth one? With their first round pick, they got the best player on the board. And if you say Luther Wright, so help me, I'm coming through the radio and I'm finding you and I'm hunting you down. I'll say Luther Wright. I'm writing Padres and permanent marker on everything you own. All right, I'll tell you, fine. I should use it as a tease, but I'm not that mean. I should make you sit through a commercial break to find this out. The answer is Greg Ostertag. Look it up. There was nobody after Greg Ostertag who did what Greg Ostertag did. Stay in the league, start for a playoff team, well, start for a finals team, but even starting for playoff teams and in the league for that long, and I know his contract drove you nuts, and I know he was up and down, but even when it was up and down, he's the best player on the board. There's nobody else he should have drafted. And there may be somebody else out there. I may be forgetting another year where they, they picked somebody and they got it absolutely stone cold right. Now, if you include second round picks, then you can say Brian Russell, then you can say Paul Millsap, but we're talking first-round picks right now. Kenneth says trade out of the first round. Kenneth, I think you're going to get your wish. Can't guarantee it, though. Draper Ute says find this year's Azubuike and throw away another draft pick on a project center who will never play. There is considerable bitterness about that. Considerable. When we come back, he's got his dirty dozen. He's got 12 players who the Jazz could draft. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com, on the options in front of the Jazz if they keep that pick. We'll talk with him next. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Ben Anderson, Utah Jazz writer for KSLSports.com. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Ben, good morning. Good morning. So, Ben, I see your uh, story up here on kslsports.com about the 12 guys the Jazz might draft. And I'm wondering, before you started writing this, did you think... I'm going to write this, but they're going to trade the pick, and this is a waste of time. Or did you think, I'm going to write this because everyone's talking they're going to trade the pick, but at the end, I really believe they're going to keep it, and I'm going to nail it down. Or did you think, I don't know what they're doing with the pick, but I like researching young guys and finding out more about them and who could be good in the NBA one day. What's your mindset when you start to write one of these? 
Yeah, I've been writing these bios specifically. I kind of ended up narrowing down and linking to the 12 kind of bigger bios within them. I've been doing that now really kind of since the Jazz got eliminated from the playoffs. But I only wrote 12, uh, which is, you know, kind of weird at 30 because there's probably, you know, 15 or 20 guys the Jazz could realistically look at. I don't think they're going to draft a big guy, so I narrowed it down to 12. But last year I wrote, I think, 30 or so, 25-plus, and the one guy I didn't write about was Yudoka Azabuki, and that's who the Jazz drafted. So I'm very prepared for none of these guys to be on the Jazz coming up uh, by tonight, but I do think we have a little bit better idea of what direction the Jazz are going to head. I think right now the whole draft concept just works against the Jazz because I feel like the future is now with Rudy at 29, and Donovan signed for five years, but he's got an option for the fifth. So they've got a three- to four-year window here, between Donovan's contract and what will be, you know, Rudy's advancing age and slowly declining athleticism because father time is undefeated, it feels like for the next three to four years they have to go into every offseason thinking, how do we set ourselves up to win a championship next season? Are you all in on the future is now? Yeah, I think they do certainly have to feel like this window is is as open as it's ever going to be. And look, it could close really quickly if Mike Conley chooses to sign elsewhere and they don't get an asset in return or they don't get Mike Conley back, I think that could certainly damage or, or at least uh, maybe delay how long that window is going to be open. It, it will open back up even if Mike Conley's not on this team. But, yes, I do think you need to approach it with this concept that this is your opportunity. You've got to win. This is, it doesn't come all around very often. You have two players that are, you know, Rudy's definitely in his prime. Donovan Mitchell's getting into his prime in the next year or two, uh, but is already good enough to compete at the, the highest levels, I think. And then you've got a pretty good roster around them with Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich. So this is the best roster you've had in 20 years now. Uh, you need to make the most of it. You can't really waste opportunities to improve. And, you know, maybe it's more expensive now. Maybe it's a little bit harder to do now than, than you want to financially. But this is the right time to do it. Do you think they're going to attach the draft pick to Derek Favors and make a trade and get some salary relief to help with the Conley deal? I think that would, is what kind of they would have done in years past. I, I think that's something that maybe the Millers would have wanted to do, maybe even something that Dennis Lindsay would have wanted to do, but we know there's different shots being called now. And, and sometimes it, you know, that's the obvious answer. But maybe the less obvious answer is to, if you're really that worried about salary cap is you know, get an asset back for your salary, not just, you know, not, not just salary cap space. So like we've heard talked about with Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN, who's kind of their draft expert, Woe just talked about it. Maybe getting another pick for a player who's better than Derek Favors, uh, but getting that asset back, understanding that some of these guys that are on the roster might be a little bit more valuable to another team, but they're willing to send draft picks back. And so, yeah, maybe you end up with two draft picks by the end of the night, and you package those to move up and get only one draft pick. And, yeah, it might cost you talent. It might cost you, you know, a player that's in the rotation. But it has an opportunity to, A, allow you to bring Mike Conley back, which is your most important piece, and then, B, have a little bit of flexibility with some young talent that the Jazz are lacking. So I think that most of the time when you're drafting late, you're not going to get anybody. But we have seen the Jazz draft late a couple times here recently, and they really believed in Gobert, and they got him. And they really believed in Mitchell, and they got him, and they were right. So of all the guys you've researched, is there anyone – not maybe at that level, but even remotely close to that level that you could really believe in, make a trade with some real conviction and say, this young guy is going to help us, and this young guy is going to help us sooner than people think. Yeah, I think there's a couple of guys to keep an eye on. Now, 
there's there's probably two players that you could trade for, or or one of them you probably don't even have to trade for. I think he'll he'll probably be on the board at thirty. Uh, they could come in and play right away next year, and that's Herb Jones from Alabama. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I think he was the SEC uh, Player of the Year. He doesn't score a lot, but he plays really good defense. He's six seven. He has a six nine wingspan. He's super athletic, so he can defend probably one through four in the NBA, and might even be able to defend some of the smaller fives that you have to go close out on. And you know, teams will play Terrence Mann at the five as the Jazz learned the hard way. So. He's the type of guy that could be that defensive player that the Jazz just simply don't have. He can just defend all over the floor. He's played four years at Alabama, which is a high level, and has had good coaches. So he could step in and play right away. That's the type of guy who I think could help you. If they wanted to go to the Rudy Gobert route, there's a kid, uh, uh, J.T. Thor, who went to Auburn, who's 6'9", has a 7'2 wingspan, has a 9'2 standing reach. He's probably a few years away. He only played one year at Alabama kind of weird he's out of alaska which is not the most traditional place so the jazz have had success with carlos boozer as far as the uh, former alaska products but he, he's probably a few years away from being able to produce but if you put him in the g league and, and let him do his thing he could be really special in a couple of years so those are a couple of big guys and then i think jared butler who went to baylor there's so much talk about davion mitchell because he looks like donovan mitchell and wears the same number and has the same name but there's a chance that I actually think Jared Butler was the better guard in that backcourt and was the reason they won the, the national title. He won uh, the tournament player of the year or most outstanding player. He could step in and actually play, I think, right away and move into the Jazz guard rotation, especially if they ended up moving somebody out of that guard rotation to move up in the draft to get another pick and get salary cap relief. So is there anybody in this draft that you think is um... – Completely overhyped, getting sold, but really is just a bust waiting to happen. Uh, I worry about, and, and, and everyone feels this way about this kid, so it's not like my unique hot take, but Sharif Cooper, if you don't know anything about him, he also went to Auburn with JT Thor. He only played 12 games, he had issues qualifying, not from a grade standpoint, but just eligibility. Uh, he, he when you watch him with the ball in his hands, and, and go watch his highlight reel, I'm telling you, jump on YouTube right now if you're at work and you're trying to kill some hours. Look up Sharif Cooper. He's six feet tall. He's absolutely dazzling with the ball in his hands. He's the best passer in the draft. He dribbles like Kyrie Irving or Steph Curry or Trey Young. I mean, just, his highlights are make him look like he's a guaranteed superstar. And then you look at his numbers, and he shot 39% from the floor and 22% from the three-point line as a point guard. So it's just it's impossible to play that way. So he had, and he's horrendous defensively. So he's so fun with the ball in his hands that you could very easily sell yourself that this is going to be the next great point guard in the NBA. And also he might be, you know, a poor man's version of, Tra- of, of, of uh, Trey Burke for the jazz when they drafted him as just so undersized, so bad defensively, such a bad shot selection, so bad with those percentages that he just doesn't have a chance to work out. And still he's going to be on the board late in the first round, and the team's going to draft him. And honestly, you know, I root for these kids. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he finds a way to shoot and and can stay on the floor because he's really fun to watch. But I I just don't have any faith that he really is going to turn into a first-round pick. I I think he could be out of the the league pretty quick. So there's a lot of speculation there'll be a lot of trades, but there are also people who are saying, uh, people holding on to assets because – Damian Lillard and Bradley Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal are going to be available after the Olympics. That could happen, and I'm waiting for that. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. 
I would be surprised if we saw a mega trade. And look, if I'm a, a team that's willing to give up three first round picks and three pick swaps, the guy I'm trading for is not Ben Simmons. And that's kind of the talk right now. You know, Philadelphia wants this ridiculous haul to give up Ben Simmons like nobody watched the playoffs. And if I'm going to be willing to give up this, this crazy deal to get, you know, a, a big guard or a guard that can change the, the game, I'm, yeah, I'm going to wait and see what's going on with, with Damian Lillard. I'm going to wait and see what's going on with Bradley Beal before I decide to make that call. I'm certainly not going to do it prematurely. I don't think with Ben Simmons, unless you end up getting an absolute steal. And there's not really a huge reason for Philadelphia to feel like they have to give him up for nothing. So I think we'll probably find a couple of teams at an impasse there. So I, I don't suspect we'll see major trades there. And then there's not a lot of teams who have kind of two late firsts that have the ability to move up uh, and get one pick a little bit higher. Maybe a team like the Lakers will try and move up from 22 and include a future pick, but they don't have a lot of future picks. They traded so many of those to get Anthony Davis. You could see that, but I just I don't foresee a blockbuster tonight. It's just usually those things feel like they're in the works longer than this, and, and there's more rumors about them at this point. We just haven't heard them. Are you a believer Cade Cunningham is going to be the number one pick? He should be the number one pick. When we redraft this draft in five years, he'll still be the number one pick. Or you have your doubts. Yes, yes, and probably. So, yes, he's going to be the number one pick. Yes, I don't think anyone else has a better resume than he did coming out of Oklahoma State. And, you know, I mean, four years from now, who knows? But, uh, you know, Jalen Suggs is really good out of Kentucky. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up just being a flat-out star and then uh, you know, the two kids who went the G League route could end up being really good as well. And Evan Mobley at USC, we saw what he was able to do in the Pac-12. So there's a ton of talent in this draft. This really does have potential to have, you know, five to seven All-Stars. And that's a, that's a, that's a good haul when you consider what most drafts end up turning out. But Ed Cunningham can play both basketball positions. He likes basketball. You know, his jump from his freshman season in high school to being the number one overall pick was pretty enormous. He wasn't one of these kids that was super recruited his whole life, so he's getting better at a very fast rate. He has elite size. He really thinks the game. He's maybe the smartest player in the draft as far as passing and playmaking goes, even though his assist numbers don't reflect that. And then he's just an incredible scorer. He just really does have the ability to put the ball in the, in the hole, and that's not all he's looking to do. He wants to get his teammates involved first, but late in the game, he knows he has to take over, and those types of players tend to be special, and, and he never was a letdown while he was at Oklahoma State. So I, I think he's a star. I think he's the right pick at number one, and, and I think he's going to make Detroit better. Foreign players have really arrived. The NBA MVP, Nikola Jokic. The finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I didn't even say Luka Doncic, who is pretty awesome in his own right. Of the four guys who are projected to be uh, foreign players drafted in the first half of the first round, have you got any of them as uh, big-time stars? Any of them you're higher on? Uh, I think looking at the, the kid, was it Usman Garuba? I think he's 19. Uh, he, he just kind of fits the, the mold of, of the modern defensive player, and he's super young, but, but he's got an incredible body. Uh, you know, we're, That's one of the things I think we are starting to see catch up so much better, and then there's always been great bodies. I mean, Hakeem had a fantastic body. Uh, some of these guys who have come over have just been in incredible shape. Dikembe obviously was kind of the prototype for what centers looked like for a while, but he just kind of got this modern, super freak NBA body. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, the globalization of the game has been really cool. It's, some guys make the league because their bodies are so unique and so custom built for basketball that they, they have to be on the floor. I think that's how Giannis got in the NBA. They're just 
you know, at the time he was six nine, but was so long, and now he's seven one. He's just grown so much. But when you can actually look at you know four billion out of the six billion people on Earth and 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 find just elite physical tools, you're you're going to find more talent. And, and I think Garuba has a chance to be that type of player. He just he has a body that you don't see come around very often. I think he's only nineteen, so. He's got a chance to really grow. He's still probably not going to go in the lottery. He's probably going to go between 15 and 20. But, you know, that that's probably the player I would keep an eye on. And then look look at what Australia is doing in the Olympics. Obviously, the, the number of Australians per capita in the NBA is really high. So what's the kid's name? Giddy? Yes. Uh, I think he has a really good chance to, to come in and make a difference as well. I don't know if he's a star, but, you know, if you've got – 20-year-old Joe Ingles and could have him in the NBA for the next decade, and I think that's the type of player he is, you're probably in really good shape. Josh Giddy is the name. Keep an eye on him. 6'8", so he's got some size if you want to keep going with the Joe Ingles comparisons. Yep. All right, you got anything you want to get on the record? Anything you want to say? Yep, I told you so. Now's the time to say it, grab that permanent marker, circle it, mark your ground. Yeah, I'll tell you, I like uh, the, the three guys I really like in the draft. Uh, Jared Butler, I told you about him already from Butler. JT Thor from Auburn. I think he's young. I think he's raw, but I think his body is also incredible uh, and could turn into something down the line. And then Joel Eliyahi from uh, from uh, Gonzaga. So if you've been a BYU and you've, you've been a BYU fan, you've seen Eliyahi for the last three years. And he developed a lot. French national team. Probably knows Rudy Gobert. He's on the under-18 team. Now he's 21. He's so weird. The way he plays is weird. It's off the ball. He doesn't dribble a whole lot. He can probably play the pick and roll, though, with more opportunity. He was just always with such good talent at Gonzaga. But Joel Eliyahi has some, some Malcolm Brogdon to him. And remember, Justin Zanuck drafted Malcolm Brogdon in Milwaukee. So that's a name I would keep an eye on at 30 as well. Oh, I like that. Yach does too. Yach's bouncing in the next room. You got him going. Good work. It's hard to do. He's watching the Olympics. He's only half paying attention. Well, I'm doing my best. You're the man. All right, well, Ben, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks, DJ. Ben Anderson, Utah Jazz writer for KSLSports.com. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yak, what are you watching? Because I saw you're only half paying attention. I know you had your eyes on the Olympics. I'm there. posting our audio. Oh, look at you, nose to the grindstone. Doing my job. You're quick with the cover story, man. Cover when your story. Mom was trying to, when your mom was trying to bust you when you were a kid, did you always have the comeback or did you just have to yeah, be guilty? Always, I had to have a cover story. <laughs> Come on now. You know that as well as anybody. Yeah, possibly. All right. DJ and PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. Stay with us. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Tokyo Updates brought to you by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, Yach, NBA draft morning. Now, I've talked a lot of basketball this morning, all morning long. Sometimes I've talked to myself. Sometimes I've talked to you. And we've also talked to Craig Bowler, Jack, and Ben Anderson. But you know what the rule is. 
Don't go too long without talking football. And we did talk some football earlier today. There's a couple interesting stories out there. College and pro. And the pro is uh, Aaron Rodgers showed up and said more words at his first press conference than he'd said all summer long, kind of explaining what's going on. I think left unsaid about what is going on, that he's coming near the end, and you get treated differently at the end, and he doesn't like it. Which makes him, what's the word I'm looking for? Human. Or another word would be normal. A couple things really stuck with him. He wasn't being used to recruit free agents. He didn't think, in his mind. And some management just doesn't want to do that. They just, they don't. They do their own thing. And you'll be notified when you need to be notified. Now, I would think, especially with the offensive skill players, but with anybody, they're interested in knowing that Aaron Rodgers wants to play with them. So I get why he's a little fired up about that. And then the other thing he said was that, well, I'm getting near the end of the contract. I don't have a long-term deal, so really I'm a lame duck. Okay, well, this just gets into the awkward stage where it always ends poorly. If it didn't end poorly, it wouldn't end at all. So now he really is a lame duck. He got the thing short. Instead of being a lame duck for two years, he can be a lame duck for one year. And I suspect in his mind he's thinking, hey, if they're not – he said he wanted to keep the club from making some of the mistakes they'd made in the past. Man, I bet the front office loved hearing that. But he thinks they've let older players go who've had something to offer, who've been strong leaders, and I'm sure the club looks at him and says, uh, yeah, they've taken a lot of hits, they're not what they were, and they want to be paid more. So we're going to pay cheap. That's what the Patriots did for years. They turned a lot of guys over, kept just a couple, including obviously Tom Brady, uh, for a long time. So I think Rodgers is trying to set him up for – the Brady, the Peyton Manning. You go somewhere at the end of your career, and you got a chance to win and win big. And I think you had a chance to win big last year. I mean, they had a good team. They were in the NFC title game. They had their chances. But if he has a chance, like Peyton Manning went to Denver and in four years went to two Super Bowls and, and won one of them. And Tom Brady, well, he's going into year two, and he's already got a Super Bowl title under his belt. So maybe he's thinking the grass is greener somewhere else. And I have to think that when I think that storyline, I think Aaron Rodgers was looking at New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, I just keep coming back to that. Aaron Rodgers was looking at New Orleans. And maybe he was looking at the Niners, and he's a Northern California guy, so that's certainly possible. But that's a little less analytical and a little more at the heart. I'd have been looking at New Orleans. But there's nothing new about this. This, is, uh, this has been going on forever with veteran guys, and it's also been going on with successful younger guys. I mean, they're... Rams went to a Super Bowl and looked at their quarterback and thought, no, we're trading him. And they did their deal with the, with the Lions. The college football story, multiple, I mean, you can really get into the drama here. I mean, it's not The Bachelor, but it kind of is. If we had ADs running around with roses, well, it would creep us all out. But... Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby accused ESPN of encouraging other conferences to pick apart the league so Texas and Oklahoma can move to the SEC more quickly and without paying a massive buyout. That sounds kind of dirty. As headlines go, that's a dirty headline. His quote is, I have absolute certainty that they've been involved in manipulating other conferences to go after our members. Bowlesby said this to the Associated Press on Wednesday. He sent a cease and desist letter to the network. 
He added ESPN is actively engaged in discussions with at least one of the conference regarding that conference, inducing additional members of the Big 12 Commerce to leave the Big 12. Reports later indicated the conference reference was, this is where I lost the plot. I lost it. Lost the story. Let go of the rope. I'm sinking in the lake. The conference was, and honestly, when I got to this, I thought it was going to say Big 10. And I thought, well, maybe it's the Pac-12. It's the AAC. Plot twist. It's the American. At what point did the American need to be told by ESPN? I don't doubt that Bowlesby was told this. I actually don't doubt that ESPN did it. I really doubt why the American needed to be told. You're the American. You're below the Big 12. If you have a chance to pick them up, you've got to. Because it's kind of ACC Big East here. The Big East would never raid and pillage the ACC. That's not how conferences treat each other. We're very collegial here. Meanwhile, the ACC, whew, ice picks and daggers right in the back. They have taken Miami and Pitt and BC. Good night, everybody. And now the Big East doesn't play football. The AAC could lose Memphis, Houston, and Cincinnati. Eat or be eaten. Got lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. I don't see why the American had to be had to be told. They should have known this all on their own. Did ESPN tell them? Wouldn't shock me. Lots of people are watching this with lots of opinions. Whether it was an ESPN corporate decision to tell or whether one random person just had an idea, hey, you ought to do this. I couldn't tell you. Was Bowlesby told that? Man, the number of people bouncing back and forth between TV and college athletics. We know coaches do it. But the whole consultant, management, AD side. I mean, look, do you have any background in entertainment or anything? Where did the Pac-12 go for its new commissioner? I mean, this is obvious. And people have worked with people. It's a small world, and everybody talks. It's no different than radio and TV. None at all. People we've done radio with have gone to Portland and Seattle and Columbus and Pittsburgh and New York and Dallas. And that's just Kevin Graham. hey Thank you. Try the VL. I'm here all week, people. And so you hear lots of stuff about what's going on. And uh, it's no different in college athletics. When Chris Hill did his goodbye, when he, uh, I mean, all those years at Utah, right? The guy who didn't move around. And he referenced, he had kids and grandkids in the audience and his wife. And he referenced his kids and his son works for ESPN. And that would be one of 500 connections. So I don't doubt that stuff got said. And we are playing the promo this morning, and, and Scotty G uh, wants the uh, wants the Pac-12 to go for the Big 12 and finish it off. Eh, I'm not feeling that. Nope. Nope. Not feeling it. I'd go the other direction. Let them do their own thing. You've passed them. They're in the rearview mirror. Concentrate on what's ahead of you. Because what's ahead of you is who might end up rating you. Now, in the break, full disclosure, Yak was telling me to calm down. The Big Ten's not coming for the Pac-12. I am not 100% convinced of that. 
hold your friends close and hold your enemies closer. Is the Big is the Big Ten a friend or an enemy? Not really sure. So hold them close or closer. I'm all up for the scheduling alliance that started and then petered out five, six, seven years ago, whatever that was. Well, the Michigan games were five years ago now, right? So Correct. Or six. Five, there were two of them. Anyway, 2014 and 15, I think. So six and seven years ago as we launch into the 2021 season. And they were, they were, the deal was done before that. So I'm, I'm all about that. And if you have to merge your two networks and put two Big Ten games on early, but put two Pac-12 games on, and that makes the networks more valuable, I would do that. I'm open to all kinds of stuff. How do you split the money? Bad news, Pac-12. Probably not 50-50. And by probably not, I mean not 50-50. They got 14 teams, you got 12. They got more TV households in their footprint than you've got in your footprint. And you're not going to steal them, and you're worried about them stealing your teams. So... That'd come up with a different formula in 50-50. Maybe they get 14 shares and you get 12 because of the number of teams. I don't know. That part, negotiate it, figure it out. So there's some football news. Also, Dak Prescott, because everybody's a Cowboy fan or a Cowboy hater, they generate a lot of emotion, even after 25 years of not going to the Super Bowl, which I find bizarre, but whatever. Dak Prescott left practice early with soreness in his throwing shoulder. It was pulled in a precautionary move. Muscle strain in his right shoulder, day-to-day. So that sounds like the general soreness coming back from uh, not playing football for a year. The basketball news, Mike D'Antoni's leaving the Brooklyn Nets, serving as an assistant under Steve Nash for one season. And the G League Ignite is finalizing a deal with USC associate head coach Jason Hart to be the program's new head coach. Hart takes over for Brian Shaw, who's joining the Clippers as their top assistant coach. feel like there's some Jerry West connection there. He played for the Lakers. He's assistant coach for the Lakers, and now West is consulting the Clippers, and he's an assistant with the Clippers. Maybe not. Maybe he's got some tie to Ty Lue I don't know about. But Yach, way to put him in the headlines there. He's a gaucho. I like Brian Shaw. I like San Hine. Shooting a breeze with him when he comes through town. So good work by you. You're welcome. Now, the baseball story that is also a football story. Four Washington National players and eight staffers have tested positive for COVID-19. It forced Major League Baseball to postpone their game against the Phillies. Baseball's a different deal. They can play a doubleheader. Football, they've already said, both at the college and pro level, if this kind of stuff happens, we're going to have forfeits. The hitch and the giddy up here is that the Nationals are saying that of the 12, 11 have been vaccinated and one is not. It's mostly head colds variety, so it's not as serious, so that's a positive. Some of them, I guess, are asymptomatic. Uh, Mostly people have gotten the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which may or may not be um, as effective against these variants. Apparently it isn't. It's efficacy. I I can't use that word. I'm sorry. Why not? Because it's a big highfalutin word, and I— You are a big highfalutin. Not not that big highfalutin. That is a level (laughs) of highfalutin I have not gotten to yet. It's not as efficient. Okay. I know there's numbers on all these, like one is 86% and one is 78 and one is 65 or whatever the numbers are. You have to go look that up on your own. All right, so that's a lot of the other stuff we talked about, but the vast majority of this show we devoted to the NBA draft. 
Go to 1280thezone.com. Uh, listen to a segment with Ben Anderson. He runs down some of the guys. He thinks there's some guys in the SEC the Jazz could draft who might be able to help and might be able to help right away. Talked with Bowler Jack. Um, and, and both guys, to maybe to different degrees, but to some degree are both in on, hey, the future is now, and Jazz need to get someone who can really help quickly. If you're a three- to four-year project, that's not good enough. Jazz have to be trying to win next year. They have to be trying to win the year after that. So is that money and can that salary slot be used to bring someone in who can help win a playoff series next year? If you can bring someone in on a veteran minimum and that salary slot and they can score six points for you in an NBA playoff game when all the pressure is on you, well, is a rookie going to be able to do that? In the NBA Finals, DeAndre Ayton was during the headlights time. In game six, he did not come up big. And you don't need a lot. You just need a few positions, a few possessions. And Frank Kaminsky came off the bench in 11 minutes, scored six points, made three of his four shots, grabbed a couple rebounds, had an assist and a steal. You just got to contribute a little bit. When the tide is against you and things are going wrong, and then in this last finals, including the last game, I mean, Milwaukee was Killing Phoenix in the first quarter. They're up 13. And Phoenix led by five at halftime. You've got to be able to fight back and turn the game around. And that game had a couple more swings in the second half. And so who can help you do that? Now, the Jazz had a big lead against the Clippers, and the Clippers went on a run, but the Jazz couldn't punch back. Who's going to help you punch back? Probably a veteran. So as much as some of you are addicted to the next big thing and the next young guy, the Jazz trade out of this draft to acquire a veteran, or just to create a, a ro- save a roster spot and you know pick up a first-round pick next year or in two years, that pick they trade for, you know maybe that pick will end up being 15 instead of 30, and your odds of getting a good player will go up. See whose pick they get and how good that team is in a couple of years. I'm leaning towards a trade is the most likely thing tonight. I don't think when you're drafting 30th you can know for sure what you're doing right now. There's too many things that can happen in front of you, and the phone can always ring. So we'll have you covered here tonight on 1280 The Zone. The guys who do the pre, half, and post will be here. Yep. Jake, Jake Hatch, Tim, Tim Lacombe. Jake Hatch. Jake Scott. Sorry, I was looking at you, so I said you. Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe will be here tonight. Jake Hatch will be at home on his couch, channel surfing between the NBA draft and the Olympics. You know what Jake no. won't do tonight? Commercials, because you're a guy. You put the remote in your hand. I'll probably actually be locked down on the draft, probably perusing really? Twitter as it, as it rolls along. Okay, so during the commercials, your go-to is Twitter then? Um, and even while it's all Yeah, while it, they're blathering on and you don't While care. they're waiting for five minutes between yeah, picks. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Yada, 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 yada. And for all the NBA has done right, how come they can't get the right cap on the right guy's head? Why do the draft night photos have Rudy Gobert... I'm Wearing sure. Denver Nuggets gear. I'm sure it's some random bylaw and some document. Fix that... it! <laughs> Fix it! You are a PR machine! Let's go! Yuck, you want to give away tickets now? Let's do it. To what? Summer League. So you can watch whoever the Jazz may or may not pick. 
NBA action is back August 3rd, 4th, and 6th as the Salt Lake City Summer League returns to Vivint Arena. Lower Bowl tickets start at just $12 to see the Jazz, Spurs, and Grizzlies compete. Visit slcsummerleague.com to lock down your seats today. We've got a four-pack of tickets. Is it pick your day or is it for a specific pick day? Your day. Uh, pick your day. Either the 3rd or the 4th. So caller 12 will get to pick the day they want to go. The 3rd or the 4th. It's Correct. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, so it's either year. Tuesday or Wednesday. You'll get to pick your day you want to go. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Dial now. Caller 12 wins. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK, it is time for your feedback. Everything you've got to say about today's show. If you didn't see this, Annie Agar did a Big 12 meeting. The kind of thing where the dialogue's all written and... And the one woman changes T-shirts so you know what character she is. She's got a Big 12 shirt. She's got a Texas shirt, an Oklahoma shirt. And she does a whole dialogue, and it's all ironic. So I tweeted that out, retweeted it, spot on, absolutely crushed it. If you haven't seen it, go to David DJ James. Click on that and find it. It's a minute and a half, and it'll crack you up. And 36 of you have liked that tweet, so there's a lot of people who found that pretty funny. Question today, what should the Jazz do with the 30th pick in the NBA draft? Russ says, stuff him on the G League team and do goodness sakes choose who coach wants. That was almost a sentence. Thank you, Russ. Like me, you need to proofread your stuff before you hit send. (laughs) I know how that goes. I've done that. Pick who coach wants. See, there was a whole thing last year about um, who wanted what, and Dennis Lindsay wanted Ezebuike, and there were other people on staff, not purely limited to the head coach, um, but other people in the room who want to go another direction. So, I don't think the Jazz would be drafting. I think Ben nailed that. I don't think the Jazz would be drafting another center this year. I'm not convinced they'll be drafting 30th. As much as I think they're going to trade out, I'm also not ruling them trading back in and grabbing somebody who can be put on a two-way contract. So we'll see how this plays out tonight, 6 o'clock for the draft, right here on the Zone Sports Network, also on TV on ABC and ESPN. More people weighing in on draft. Robert says... Package the 30th pick in a trade and deal it and build around Rudy and Donovan. Robert is uh, in win-now mode. He's not the only one. Many people are. And I think the Jazz are too. It's always, though, a, uh, a little question mark because if you really believe in a guy, then you got to go ahead and draft him. You can't be playing in the win-now mode to the point that you pass on a guy who's a really good NBA player for a decade. I... That would be tough to do. But if you don't have that, that level of belief and conviction in a guy, then move the deal. Move it. Make a deal. Aaron does. Quentin Grimes, exclamation point, calling it now. Everybody's got their favorites. All right, against Yawk's, Yawk's wishes, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do this. <laughs> I can't say you didn't warn me, Yawk. I in no way have any association with what is about to come. Thank you I very can't, much. I can't find it now. 
If I can't find it, then, oh, here it is. Okay, sorry, I lost your I was say, did they delete it in the last 30 seconds? Well, it brings up, I, I, it, it brings up, well, we've only got a minute or two, you know, but it's a bazillion topics for Scotty and Hans to launch into if they want. They've probably got other stuff planned. So I sent out this photo yesterday. I'm, I'm walking out, and the big window's here. And outside the windows, there's a huge, there's a huge uh, crane. It looks like it's got a wrecking ball on the end of it. But then I see the hook. It's not a wrecking ball. It would have had to be bigger to be a wrecking ball. And I said, well, are the Jazz moving the statues? We're right on the corner by the statues in the arena on the fifth floor. As some of you have upper bowl tickets and walk by our studios. You know right where we are. Are the Jazz moving the statues? Are they filming a Miley Cyrus video? Are they getting ready for Summer League? I mean, what is this thing doing out there? There's a massive construction project going on. And a couple photos. And the Jazz U tweets back, Stockton statue was unvaccinated, caught COVID, and is now in the ICU hooked up to a ventilator. Okay. I get in the world of sports talk radio where anything goes, like some people think that's funny, but with half the country unvaccinated and probably six or 700 people who are going to test positive today in Utah, and I don't know how many are on a ventilator, but there's 300 and something, 350, whatever the number is, in the hospital. Is that, is that good? Is that, is that where social media needs to be going? And Yach right now is breaking his neck, shaking his head now. How much of this is people making decisions and they can be mocked for it? Or how much of this is we're supposed to be sensitive and caring for the people who are sick? And how much would this discussion be completely different if it was another type of preventable death or preventable um, illness, sickness, injury? I've been wondering that for a while now. I mean, COVID has got its own, it's like it's creating its own weather. Its own mood. You can probably dive deep into the pool and be gone for a long time on a COVID discussion with some family member, a coworker, or neighbor you know. I've heard stories from some people about the conversations they've had to shut down because the other person was so diametrically opposed. But if these were the numbers and it was something else, how many people would flip sides on both sides? Smoking, secondhand smoking, alcohol use, DUIs. And how different would the conversation be if we had three, six, or eight people dying in a DUI every single day, day after day after day? Like I said, this is multiple segments, and we're doing sports talk radio here. But from a random picture outside a sports uh, talk radio station to a Stockton statue to this, hop, skip, and a jump. It's a triple jump. It's an Olympic reference for you, Yak. I know you're back in there watching the Olympics. Do they show track and field live, or do they tape delay the whole thing? You can watch pretty much everything live. In the, really? In this world. Was it gymnastics on live this morning? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, okay. I think that was on... They bury it behind a paywall? It's probably on Peacock, honestly. Yeah. Because most of the good stuff you want to watch live... <laughs> is on the... Yeah. Like, I'm watching women's handball right now, which it's a fun... Event. Instead of listening to the show, I disgusted you that much. Well, I have two over there, and you know, you do actually. multiple TVs. All right, well, we got Hans and Scotty coming up next. We will talk to you tomorrow morning, six to ten, right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The Zone.